Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our end of 2015 review, where we're talking about our top 10 films of the year. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. <laughs> I almost forgot who I was. <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're taking a break from all of our film reviewing to talk to you about all the films that we loved from the past year. I'm sure you've listened to everyone else's <laughs> end-of-year recaps. Now, we've, we've made sure your plate was clear, and you can listen to ours unobtruded, I don't know. Uh... Uh, does this really count as taking a break from film review? I feel like we're just working overtime tonight. <laughs> True, true, true. But I just, I just I, I finished saying that every week we're doing this, and then in this episode we're not doing the thing that I just said that we do. Mm-hmm. So I, th- this episode technically constitutes a break from film reviewing to review 10 films at once. Possibly 30 films at once. We don't know if there's any overlaps here. Yeah, and I've got honorable mentions, so we're squeezing more in. I say f*** your honorable mentions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, no. Start no, this I off do, right. I do think we might need to impose, like, a time limit like six through ten each movie can only get like one minute of talk yeah <laughs> otherwise I mean, we're gonna be here all night yeah, yeah yeah let's just try let's just try i mean i'm not gonna get out of timer mostly because i don't want to manage that <laughs> but let's just try to be uh as as you know succinct and clear and quick as we can and try to get uh you know get get this out there for people because they've waited so long to hear our stuff we don't want to make them wait during the episode <laughs> I know they can finally listen to the all the other podcasts after they they held out for us. I mean, really, this is the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. I'll keep it keep it on one hundred. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I mean, for our for our listeners, this is a pretty important episode because Carson has been not with us for most of these reviews. So, not saying that any of the reviews he missed will actually be on his list because they're probably all things we didn't review. But people might want to know. What Carson liked, since if they're new to the podcast, they don't really know what his tastes are. So there are some things that were reviewed that interesting I was not a part of, and I definitely know that we didn't review uh, Chipmunks Road Chip or <laughs> Chip on the Hood or whatever the hell the movie's called. <laughs> the, so. the Road Chip. Was there a new Metallica music video this year too? Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- those 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 are two things that we know might make his list that we didn't review but well i mean the road chip was just such a fine piece of filmmaking can't overlook that but no have you seen metallica (laughs) through the never yet because it's still good i I haven't yet still have not seen it i think it's on netflix you should watch it oh i'm still gonna pirate it if i ever do watch it just (laughs) just just to keep in the spirit of of what metallica is yeah i I, I have to call back This, this episode brought to you by uh, Napster. <laughs> anyway, so so every time that we get together to do this um, review, I like to, as we start, quickly, if we can, go around and kind of talk about what our list is exactly. Because though I refer to this as our top tens of 
2015. Maybe it's not the top tens. Maybe it's like, like personally for me, I'm just going to skip ahead so I can explain why I'm asking this question. For me, these are not the films that I think are necessarily the best that 2015 had to offer. These are the films that I liked the most. Maybe there's some overlap in films that I thought were fantastic and just like actually really, really good. But for me, the way I choose a list is not like, oh, you guys should like these because they're amazing. It's more like, hey, these are the things that spoke to me the most and that I had the most fun with or whatever. So so how far up is Furious 7 on your list? <laughs> Number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, you may be surprised if that movie did not make my list. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I did that. I mean... I'd much rather watch Iron Man 3 than 12 Years a Slave again. I mean, that's just that's just how I did it that year. I was just like, I can't think of a more a movie I enjoyed more, so why the f*** not? Yeah. No, and, and that's a good way to do it. But I, I don't know. Like, for, you know, Carson's List might be super uh, whatever, like, the best filmic thing was. The Stevens might be, like, what made him cry the most. Like, that we, was exactly <laughs> what I was going to choke that my list was. You asshole. Oh, but no. Anyways, yeah, so, I didn't make 500 Days of Summer my top movie of the year. Oh. <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't knock it. Stevens, call, Stevens calling, all the, calling out all the previous choices. Oh, hell yeah. But anyways. <laughs> so, not so, taking so, any prisoners. But no, I did, I did vote for ones that made me cry. Okay. I actually did not vote for the filmic ones. I, I feel like there's very little of that. Because I feel like this year, um, most of the, the quote-unquote filmic movies that everyone kind of jizzed over i wasn't on board with so sorry <laughs> all right but it's and, true i mean i don't know I, I i mean i'm sure steven's gonna have a couple and i'm just gonna have to sit here and be like oh yeah not for me well, not no, for so, me. so so how did you make your list carson well one you're gonna be very upset because <laughs> they're all random <laughs> i put <laughs> i put i since i was gone and since no joke i think that there were a lot of really really solid movies this year so i for each slot i paired movies uh, jesus <laughs> so, christ but i will not go long because there really isn't much to say other than i liked it a lot so <sighs> all right and steven yeah i so I, I kind of frantically made my list today like Time was running out in the office, and I was working on something, and then I was like, oh, f***ing 45 minutes, I'm going to have to record this thing. So I took <laughs> all the movies I knew I wanted to mention. I kind of jumbled them together. Um, last year, I did this thing where I had like named awards for number 6 through 10, and I did that again just as a cop-out <laughs> to fit in more movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I tried, I tried to veer away from the ones that were only like quote amazing or quote filmic so i think i have like half and half like some of them are the ones that carson's gonna be like oh jesus what a boring pick <laughs> um but i think some of them are like actually personal choices that will not make many top 10 lists this year yeah. so I, I feel okay about it well i mean i, I did that too because i i just tried to account for any overlap because i just remember there was one year where there was just like uh, there was just a lot of the same. It was like, oh, number one, Inception. It was just like, I don't know. I To me, it just, <laughs> I, I, like, I was, you know, I, I was just like, it just gets boring, so I don't know. But I'm not, not saying that, like, any of the movies that I chose are, are not worthy of being the best. I think they are, but, I, you know, like some movies like The Hateful Eight, which I really liked, but, I mean, it's not on my top ten, but <laughs> I, I just think that 
Is, is that because it's a piece of shit? <laughs> no, I just think that it like defies a list. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Hateful Eight's great. No, I know, I, I know. I'm just saying that there's that in another movie that might show up on someone else's list, so I won't say. But I, I think they like, they're just like their own unique thing, so they sort of defy like a list. I don't know. That sounds stupid, but whatever. Gotcha. Cool. Well, should we begin, guys? This is the part <laughs> yes. where you all say yes. Sorry. I was taking a drink of, uh, of my I, drink. I never have enough synonyms for saying yes. I, I always wind up being like, let's do it. There really isn't, <laughs> like, you, you can't say anything else. Very good, sir. All, all right. Well, here we go. This is our list of 10 films that we all really enjoyed. <laughs> Well, well, that just... was another reason why I, I said, can we have a top ten? Because there was a lot of good movies, that's all. Yeah, yeah. And then I took it one step further because I'm an asshole, so. And and when I get to my, my number ten, which I will get to two people from now, just remember that you made us have a top ten, <laughs> Carson. What? Remember that. So you're saying you just picked a bad movie? <laughs> well, I don't know how to answer that yet. Okay. You pick Mad Max again and put it to number ten. <laughs> I tell, I'm telling you, it's going to yeah. be, 10 through 5 is going to be all Star Wars. <laughs> I, so I, 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 divided, I, I divided up Mad Max Fury Road into 10 equal parts. <laughs> and I just ranked all the, all the like, scenes. You're like, 10, Basically, guitar guy. I, I, <laughs> I divided it into 10 chapters, and I ranked the chapters in order of awesomeness. Mm. My number 10 is the credit sequence. <laughs> No, um, Carson, start us off. What okay. is your number 10 film? Uh, number 10 is, uh, there were, uh, I, for, I think there is a dearth of, uh, good Christmas movies that have come out in the last couple years. And, uh, this year we got two really good ones. And, uh, <laughs> one of them is The Night Before, and the other one is Krampus. And, uh, I both really enjoyed these movies because they kind of have, uh, obviously similar themes, but, uh, no, they 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 sort of bring back that uh, that whimsical uh, nature of like a Home Alone, where uh, the characters believed in Christmas. They legitimately believed in uh, Santa Claus and the, the the magic and the wonder, and um, that's kind of what sets the plot in motion for Krampus. And uh, that movie, the guy who did Trick or Treat directed Krampus, and if you've seen that, uh, you have a pretty good barometer of what. Or how great Krampus is going to be, because it's a lot of, like, throwback old puppets and practical horror effects and stuff. And it's pretty impressive, because they did everything, like, on $15 million. So, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, obviously, I don't know if you guys saw The Night Before, but it was really funny. And it was a reteaming of the guy, all the, the three main components of Fifty Fifty. And, um, yeah, it was just really good. Like, there was, there was one scene, aside from a bunch of really great scenes in The Night Before, which includes an incredible supporting performance by uh, Michael Shannon. Um, but there's just one scene that, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has where his character is the one who, like, fully believes in Christmas and, like, the magic of Christmas. And he, like, comes across this... Uh, these two like drunk Santas in an alley and like he starts berating them about uh, I'm already boring Steven he's like I gotta google this shit um uh, uh he was like uh he comes across these two guys they're drunk and dressed as Santa and he's like 
uh, uh, he like starts berating them about like if you wear the outfit Santa's outfit that's like a badge of honor and you're like dishonoring Santa and like I don't know it's like this this crazy thing that only Joseph Gordon-Levitt could pull off but like it was so like I believed that Christmas was real and Santa was real like I got I got teary-eyed <laughs> like it was like it's you gotta you gotta watch like he sold me so hard and I think that's like the thing like in Jonathan Levine's movies is like there's always there's all this like you know kind of like bros hanging out and stuff and then there's like this underlying just like emotional punch that comes like every couple of scenes and you're like oh yeah this is this is really good so anyway there you go did you cry at the end right before santa got surgery (laughs) no (laughs) spoilers whoa all right anyway so steven or did did, did, i mean i i assume that you and i steven did not see this film no i I did not these films I thought you saw The Night Before. I, I was going to see The Night Before, and it was The Night Before something else I didn't have time to see. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought, of course, you'd make a date to see uh, UBF. <laughs> no, I genuinely wanted to see it. It just didn't work out time-wise. There's a bunch yeah. of stuff going on, and I was just like, no, I'll probably see it later in the week, and then I just never got around it to was it. Yeah, seri- it. I remembered you telling me you were seeing it that weekend, and like I could catch it if I wanted to, but you definitely were. Yeah, or maybe maybe it was one of those things where where you were like, I'm not going to be able to see it. And I was like, all right, I'm not going either. <laughs> it was seriously like one of the most enjoyable movies. Like, it's just such a watchable movie and a nice movie. I don't know. That's, that's what you want for Christmas. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to make time to see it uh, once it is available, if it's not already available. Yes, you should. All right, so Steven, what is your number 10's... I'll okay, say, so. <laughs> since you guys don't know how to follow directions. Yep. So, no, I, I am picking I'm picking a winner for each. I'm just throwing in other movie names, too. Uh, so my number 10 could be called the Opposite of Carson's Choice Award, also known last year as the Take the Premise and Run Award. Uh, last year, I notoriously gave it to Force Majeure instead of the one I love, <laughs> which was Chris's favorite movie of the year. Mm. Um, <laughs> and this was just an award for a movie that like took a very simple premise it's usually like a very stripped down movie not too many characters uh and just really runs with it and did something special uh so runners up this year were queen of earth which i really liked and chris did not like so much (laughs) i I think carson dug that one um queen of earth i just have this feeling that if i watch it a second time i'll think it's like super pretentious like i feel like it was an experience to have one time but maybe one i don't stand by totally and 45 years which carson made fun of uh, i did quite (laughs) like this movie it was a very stripped down one but like a nice chilly look at the twilight years of a relationship Uh, but speaking of twilight years uh, the one i'm choosing had a character from twilight in it and that is called the clouds of sils maria Mm. uh, starring juliette binoche and uh, Kristen stewart and (laughs) (laughs) no go ahead i just thought of something (laughs) funny that's all um, anyway Okay, so, like, this is probably the most Stephen choice on the list, because it is a kind of, like, artsy-fartsy movie where they talk about art and literature and movies and the meaning of being alive. Um, but it just it, it really had that feeling of, like, those before movies where there's just, like, perfect conversations between two really fleshed-out characters. Um, I mean, Juliette Binoche is great, as always, but Kristen Stewart kind of blew me away in this movie at how well she portrayed this kind of younger character who's challenging the like preconceived super pretentious feelings of the older french actress um 
Yeah, it's it just like it had a lot of moments that really made me laugh. The dialogue just felt very true. It was also just really well made, kind of like Force Majeure. It had these cool, like, big landscape scenes, this kind of bombarding soundtrack. Uh, I don't know. It was just a very interesting, unique movie, and I, I really liked watching it. Um, do, you, do you want Clouds of Sils Maria on DVD? Because I have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I have a DVD player anymore, <laughs> but I own it on iTunes now. Oh, okay. No, because I, I, as a joke, well, not as a joke, but because um, I sent Chris a copy of Area 51 <laughs> for Christmas because I was like, the only person who would enjoy this movie, I know who he is, and uh, 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 Sarah got a copy because she gets all the, the movies that her boss doesn't want, so she <laughs> left with... Area 51, Clouds of Sils Maria, and um, uh, Men, Women, and Children on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. So they've been sitting in her car. I was like, I bet you Steven would like Clouds of Sils Maria. Like, I was like, just saying. And I was like, I should send that to him. And I forgot. You know, I, I so really sorry. did. I, I actually feel like Chris would like it too because Chris likes a good like conversation movie. Yeah. And I feel like this was a really good conversation movie. And y- you can send it to me if you want, Carson, because... <laughs> Steven's already told me to watch this when we were sitting in an Uber together the other night. So, oh, okay. Um, it's I, on my I, list. I didn't I, I didn't really care for Clouds of Souls Maria. I, I thought Kristen Stewart was really good in it. I thought Julia Binoche was really good. Um, and I liked when uh, they were kind of having their back and forth together. But uh, I don't know. Just it was, it was okay. I wasn't just – I didn't hate it. I just, I just thought it was kind of – I'm really looking forward to the the next one that guy is doing with Kristen Stewart. Uh, it's called Personal Shopper, and it, like mm. it's a apparently a horror movie set in the fashion underworld. That sounds more up my alley. So who knows? Yeah, yeah I mean, apparently this guy, what is he, Olivier Asias or Alexander yeah, yeah, Asias? Yeah. Like, apparently he's actually a pretty established big deal. I don't know anything he's done before, but I I, I quite like this movie. I've only seen Clouds of Sils Maria and. Uh, yeah, and I I did really like Queen of Earth though. That uh, that's a I like Alex Ross Perry. Like I like his style. I think it's 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 really cool. And uh, uh, I did not like. See, I I envy Stephen because he likes these movies. And I I was sitting watching Forty Five Years yesterday in the theater, just hating my life so much. Like I would have rather have watched The Road Trip again, and that was a horrible movie. <laughs> Like I just I I don't know like I just these these really like just straightforward dramas and this like old you know old rich people bitching about stuff that they don't have any problems so they just invented problems and she's just like oh I'm jealous of something that happened and I'm just like oh get over it. So I think that movie for me was made by the final scene which was like did a pretty good job of turning my emotions. Mm. Uh, I should say all of these were actually airplane movies, except for Queen of Earth. So, like, <laughs> I do think when I'm on an airplane, I have headphones on, and I'm a little more attentive, and I'm more, like, maybe appreciative of details that in a theater I wouldn't be caring about so much. Mm. I, I don't know. I think I put on a different hat in an airplane than I do in real life. I, I just... I These are movies that I just can't get behind. It's not like they're that they're not well-made. It's just that I... Nah, I I can't. It's just not. It's just not for me. That's all. Well, speaking of movies that Carson can't get behind <laughs> and aren't for him. Oh no! 
I have a number 10. <laughs> and like I said, this is definitely... I would never argue with anybody that this is a greatly made oh, film. Oh, wait. I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. Go oh, I ahead. predicted it already. <laughs> All right, well, why don't, why don't you go ahead and guess it, Carson? I think it's going to be Project Almanac. No, it's not Project no, no. Almanac. Oh, okay. Similar time, but it, I think. It, yeah, it does involve time travel. <laughs> is it, is it, it time lapse? And it does start with a P. And it also relates to the before movies, in a way. <laughs> This is predestination. Oh, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, so this oh, is the, man. This is the film that uh, went straight to VOD in the United States, oh, as far as I can tell. Very much uh, so. Came out the first or the second week of January it, of last year. It came out the year. first week of January. <laughs> <laughs> it, came well, out, the... it came out this same weekend last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, this is a film that i love simply for the uh the premise and the idea and what it's going for and maybe it's a cheat because it's based off like a book or a short story or a novella or whatever the hell it's based off something like that it's something that was like widely liked by the people who have actually heard of and read the thing and i had not read it but i watched the film and even though the production value is not super great (laughs) even though the acting like maybe the acting's fine but the context for which it's being acted makes the acting seem less good than it may be um basically this is a bonkers ass movie but it is an amazing philosophical (laughs) time travel scenario that they've come up with for the story and that credit belongs like a million percent to the original writer of the original story but it's it's just if you are like me and you love time travel films and you love time travel films that do more than just start in a time travel scenario and then make whatever movie you want, but set in a world where a time machine exists. This film is purely about the mechanics of time travel and how that works. And, you know, this isn't like the super genius version like Primer, but it's one idea of... uh, Just say that it's interesting. I can't really say a lot without giving stuff away, but it's... It's a film that when I watched, I was so happy that I had actually seen it. I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, this seems like the, the, the type of trailer that I would send to Carson, and he would laugh <laughs> me to death, and then I would watch it, and he would refuse to watch it. But when I was done with that, I was like, I was so glad I gave this movie a chance, because uh, it's awesome. And that's Predestination. Uh, it is, I, uh, I'll tell you this, I would <laughs> rather watch 100 Predestinations over uh, Project Almanac, a Project <laughs> Almanac, any day. Because is it just it, because of Imagine Dragons? No, no. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I I will admi- I will give Predestination credit for being a hot load of fuckery because it is, it is, <laughs> it is nuts. Like it's just like baffling. I like an hour of the movie is just Ethan Hawke talking to. Uh, uh, the, uh, easy, easy. <laughs> easy, easy, yeah, exactly. Easy. <laughs> but you, it's there's like a whole hour chunk in the movie where it's just like them explaining it in a bar, and you're just like, what? And there's there's a girl playing a guy, and she looks like Edward Furlong, and you're just like, holy shit! Like this is a crazy, this is a this is a bonkers. It is a bonkers movie, but I I don't think it's necessarily. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't know how to rate it because it's not it's not good and it's not bad. It's just like, whoa. 
<laughs> I, I totally well, don't even that, know. That's the best uh, endorsement I could ever imagine from Carson <laughs> of this film. I think it's available on iTunes. It's, actually, it's probably on like it I don't might, know, it might, might yeah, be on Netflix or something. But I, I remember laughing like a lot, like from the very beginning till it ended, because I just didn't know what I was watching. It, it's like, it's like a movie where I premised like, are you really into time travel? Okay, yeah, yeah, go see this movie. If if you're not into time travel at all, there is no way this movie's gonna win you over. But I think that if you're a, a fan of time travel, you have to add this to the list of films that you've seen because um, it's an awesome it's, idea. It's got a lot of supporters. Like, it had a lot of uh, – it got actually a lot of, like, good critical reviews and stuff. But uh, it's – oh, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so, Stephen, is this conversation enough to make you watch this film? Kind of, but I don't like Carson bashing Project Almanac. <laughs> that movie, the longer I haven't seen it, the more I feel like an old man who's like charmed by the young kids who were cranking up the boombox and <laughs> talking about Lollapalooza. So, but, but maybe even, even by that I'll metric, if, if you liked Project Almanac more than he is saying he did, and he's saying he'd, put, he'd watch this a million times over that movie, that should make you even more excited for it, right? But, but is he including time travel in that? Like, he'd just go back and watch it over and over again? Because that's kind of a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's getting Are you going to Groundhog Day that bitch? Or are you going to really... <laughs> I will Groundhog Day the predestination so much more than Project Almanac. <laughs> he's going to watch it over and over again until he starts to like it, but as soon as he starts to like it, it'll cause, like, <laughs> ripple effects and he will disappear. And he'll be like, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? And he disappears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I end up <laughs> for something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, right. You can bleep this out, but basically it's... <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't, no okay. don't give it away. Steven might watch it. All right, all right. Yeah. Just go on to your number nine. Yeah, Carson, what is your number oh, nine? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, I've got uh, a couple more uh, really good genre movies that uh, I enjoyed. And one of them was uh, the movie Cop Car with Kevin Bacon, um, <laughs> which uh, was a really cool, like, uh, throwback to just sort of like, just sort of like grimy exploitation type of movies, uh, but done like very slickly. Like, I. I, I describe this movie as uh, No Country for Old Men with Children uh, because the main protagonists are children and they get... Uh, they get <laughs> good, co- good reasoning. I, <laughs> good deduction. Um, they get... <laughs> no Country for Little Boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different kind of movie that, and we don't talk that, about that kind of thing on the podcast. Yes, exactly. Only on the deep web. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, so they, they steal Kevin Bacon's cop car, and uh, Kevin Bacon's a coked-out cop who's really mad, tries to get it back. It's really fun. <laughs> if you want to see the, uh, hopefully, the new Spider-Man movie will be just as good, because it's going to be the same director, so do your homework before that one comes out. And and then if it sucks, you can just be like, well, there's no cop car. Isn't isn't Cop Car like a ninety nine cent rental right now on iTunes or something? I could have sworn. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I thought I remember it being on sale for whatever reason, at if, least recently. If it is, that's the best ninety nine cents you'll spend this week. That's not the movie with Ken Jong and Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a uh, Ride Along Two. <laughs> that's Cop Car Two. I gotcha. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Cop Car was really fun, and then there was another movie called, uh, The Final Girls, 
which was basically uh, this year's Cabot in the Woods, because um, I think it, it, it was a very clever send-up to the uh, horror genre, uh, where Cabot in the Woods was like the Evil Dead, you know, obviously Cabin in the Woods subgenre of horror. This was the, uh, like, Friday the 13th uh, camp slasher. Uh, that was a that take on that genre. And uh, it's basically like if uh, Last Action Hero was a horror movie because they all get sucked into this to this horror movie and then, like, they got to fight to get out. And uh, it's really funny. It's really clever. And there's a lot of good people in it. Uh, Tysa Farmiga is the lead in it and uh adam divine from pitch perfect and uh thomas middleditch from silicon valley there's just a lot like a lot like a really loving uh ode to that type of movie so it was a lot of fun yeah i've heard a lot of good things about it and it's one that is on my list of things to check out and i almost watched it actually uh the other weekend but i didn't get around to it yeah it's good so I'm done. Any thoughts on those films, Stephen? <laughs> Stephen's like, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm I'm interested in seeing are, both of them. I heard. Are, are you still arranging the rest of your list? <laughs> He's a little bit, a little bit. It. Um, yeah, I heard. I, I didn't hear anything about Cop Car actually. Uh, I heard a good, like a little bit of good stuff about the Final Girls. I was kind of hoping to check that out, but no, I'm interested, curious. I mean, they're both really good examples of like low budget uh, horror. Because they they just really utilize it well, um, yeah. Especially cop car, like it, it looks like they they spent it like looks a, like a cop car. It, yeah, it looks like a real cop car. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't know better, I would say they used a practical cop car in that movie. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they didn't, it looked pretty real. Um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon was actually Kevin Bacon. Uh, no, nah, it's just it looked like it it looked like it cost a lot more than it probably did. So. Cool. Well, uh, if you're done figuring out what your number nine is, Stephen, would you like to let us know what it is? I, I'm still debating, but I, I think I can commit to one. <laughs> okay, so number nine <laughs> is the the Whiplash Award, which... Oh, I hope it's Insurgent. <laughs> <laughs> this was the award last year that I gave to like just the packed, energetic, kind of frenetic movie that just kind of blew you away from beginning to end. Um, and so last year I gave to Startup. This year, it almost became the Jack O'Connell Award because I came very close to giving it to 71, uh, which is a movie with Jack O'Connell in it about the Irish Troubles. Uh, Really cool movie. Uh, I also almost gave it to Tangerine, which I'm kind of wondering if Carson is going to mention this movie somewhere. Uh, Spoilers, (laughs) no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Carson didn't go with the critical acclaim. Sorry, uh, sorry, Tangerine. I mean, yeah. So that that was another movie that was like, kind of like Spring Breakers. It was just a very frenetic movie that was abrasive. But over the course of the movie, I became pretty like won over to its whole style. Um, oh, it was but, abrasive for sure. Was that the movie about the Fanta Girl? <laughs> it, it's the movie about the, <laughs> oh. <laughs> about a uh, two transgendered prostitutes in la we're getting uh, all the transphobic comments right now on itunes they're rolling in oh my, yeah my joke was no, I, I, is an orange no i get it i get know. i know i know i'm just saying oh. even if anyway you say, like even if because like that's the, that's the shitty thing is that like i can't 
be like, I didn't like Tangerine, and then they just assume that, like, well, you don't like transgendered people. It's like, no, that's because it just, no, that's not the reason why. It's because it, it didn't look good. And also, like, it just, what did it have to offer, offer other than, like, nothing we've really seen before? I don't know. No, I, I can buy it. it. It's the uniqueness that kind of blew me away. And what what was interesting is the first 20 minutes of that movie, I hated it. Uh, like, yeah, I couldn't believe this movie got so much buzz. I couldn't believe, like, they were following these characters around and it didn't look very good and the acting was pretty lame. And then, like, something just really picked up where I found myself laughing a lot. I was invested in the characters. The, the car wash scene, I really loved in that movie. Uh, but anyway, none of these are the movies I actually picked for my Whiplash Award. Um, the movie I picked is not a low-budget, unheard-of movie. It's the movie I almost didn't want to put in this list at all, and that's The Revenant by Inuritu. Um, mm. So I really I found myself making this list, doing this tug-of-war between, like, do I champion the small, low-budget movie, or do I just embrace the big spectacle for what it is? Um, so I think Inuritu is a bit pretentious i think he overreaches a little with this movie and i think the script could probably be like written in three bullet points um but i think it's an awesome cluster it's just a spectacular overreaching movie that really it immerses you all of the kind of the cinematography that could feel gimmicky that could feel like a holdover from birdman just really pulls you into this movie you feel like you're there in the snow, you're freezing with Leo DiCaprio, you're getting attacked by a bear. Um, like, as much as I want to be the cool guy who didn't like the big spectacle movie, it it's just, like, a pretty amazing piece of filmmaking. And even if it's flawed, I think it easily deserves the number nine pick on my list. Uh, Chris, did you, did you see it in non, you know, dumb uh, settings? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I actually watched it with Steven. Oh, okay. I sat next to him, oh, okay, and we yes. held each other like, oh, as we, oh, as we watched Leo go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was the noise Chris made while he was sitting next to me. He was jerking off the whole time. <laughs> It's so yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've gone my entire life since I saw the movie Titanic wanting a snuff film <laughs> starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and I finally have it. So of course I love that movie. Whoa! Um, no, Harsh. I did not like The Revenant. <laughs> um, but and it was apparently, so good. Apparently, I'm going to have to justify why I didn't love The Revenant a little bit later in this episode, and that will make more sense when we get to that moment in time. <laughs> I will just say I'm glad Steven mentioned 71 because that was a that was an underrated movie. I thought it was phenomenal. I up until maybe 5 minutes ago that was my number 9 choice. I like just swapped it out for The Revenant. I mean they it was it was a lot like start up not only because Jack O'Connell is in it and there's a lot of thick Irish accents that you're just like what are they saying? But and- uh and, 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 yeah. and uh, coincidentally, 71 is, exact, is exactly how many minutes it took for me to start checking my watch during Revenant. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just kidding. I kid. I kid. <laughs> I thought I, the Revenant... I mean, I've already alluded to the fact that I really enjoyed it and uh, Tom Hardy for the president of acting. No, I, I actually, we when we were walking home from the Revenant 
I actually was talking with Steven, and he can back me up because he's here. I'm, I'm talking as if Steven is on the podcast with us right now. But I made, <laughs> was this, he talking? I, I made the statement that like everybody is talking about how great Leonardo DiCaprio is in the film, but I thought that Tom Hardy actually did the better acting in it. Yeah. Like, like uh, Leo's performance is a better physical acting job, but I thought that yeah. Tom Hardy like was fantastic in the film. And yeah. if I was if I had to award one of them some sort of award for acting, it would go to Tom Hardy. Yeah, I just want him. I just like want a ringtone or an audio clip of him just going like, "Well, if he wasn't such a girly little bitch." <laughs> I was hoping he was going to ask the Revenant to blink so that he could just put it out of the screen. <laughs> he's like, uh, I think Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy is just becoming very good at starring in movies where the plot could be written in like two sentences. <laughs> yeah. Which is about how much his character can read. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he buried Leo, he was like, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Uh, that was my... <laughs> Can't do it unless it's the actual line. As, as he shot a big gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the thing to do would be to finish him off quick. <laughs> I mean, hard. We, we buried him right. It's, it's, he's doing the same voice that the guy was doing in Men in Black when he was wearing the Edgar suit. <laughs> water. I need water. Sugar. Sugar. More. More. Maybe that was his inspiration. Like how <laughs> the count was his inspiration for Child 44. <laughs> Not a movie I expect to show up on this list. And my number nine is <laughs> Child 44. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, it is. I don't know whose turn it is. Yeah, whose turn I don't is know. It? Chris's turn for his number nine pick. Steven okay, well, what is... was your number nine again, Stephen? The, the Revenant. Oh, yeah, The Revenant. <laughs> Revenant. <clears throat> All right. My number nine. Has been a little. It's been a little index card floating around in my pile of index cards of films that I thought of contemplating for my my list, and uh, it's not one that I would bite very hard for necessarily. Um, it's not one that I remember a lot of people talking about besides us reviewing it on this podcast. But it's a film that I just enjoyed, and it was a film that I didn't walk into having any expectations because I didn't know much about the people the story was about. And uh, that is the film, The End of the Tour. Um, this is a film that, uh, you know, it's about a reporter interviewing David Foster Wallace um, at the end, or yeah, right at the end of his book tour. And really, I just walked into it because it was like, hey, it's playing at the fun theater in town, and I'll go see it with Steven, who knows who the hell this guy is. And I watched it, and I actually walked out of that movie really happy. Like, it was... A very enjoyable um it, it was like my conversation movie for the year of people just sitting there having uh deep conversations about stuff and it's interesting too because it has a little bit of of that same thing that like other films that a lot of other people are praising like say uh carol and mistress america where they're like in those stories there is like one character who sort of idolizes another character and is sort of trying to find their own way in life and kind of living through this person in this small moment of time. And I kind of like the way the end of the tour did that better than both those other films did it. Um, so I put that as my number nine. So thoughts from you guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I very much loved this movie. It was one of the things I was sad to not squeeze into my list. I probably should have made it an honorable mention in the take the premise and run award. Uh, but yeah, no, I loved it. I'm 
I'm actually shocked that the year was good enough for me to not include it. Um, I almost had this in the next slot. Um, really? Actually, yes. Um, with another movie, um, and it was going to be the movies where uh, I wasn't expecting much from, and they made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Person has a heart. <laughs> um, because if you don't cry at the end of the end of the tour um, from Jason Siegel's performance, then you're not a real f- person. So um, <laughs> I had no idea. I did. I knew nothing really about David Foster Wallace. And I came out feeling like I now like knew him after the movie, you know, like that's the best I think compliment. I think you could give a movie where you don't know anything about the subject matter. And then you, you know, came out feeling like you knew, you know, a good chunk of him. And, you know, they did that movie, right. Where it wasn't um, like a cradle to the grave biopic. Like it was just that chunk in time of his life. And, uh, you know, the, that tour. And uh, the acting is just so good in that movie. Like, it feels like that movie feels the most like a uh, a before movie, a Richard, you know, like a Richard Linklater movie, because it's just so natural, the acting and the dialogue and everything. Yeah. And, I, like, there were times where I legit, because I Googled, obviously, what the real David Foster Wallace looked like. And, I mean, I there were times where Jason Siegel looked more like him than the real guy. <laughs> I feel like there were times where it was just like, I didn't even seem like it was him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I don't know, Carson, did you listen to the episode we did about it? I I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I may yeah. have started and then stopped for some reason. <laughs> I don't really know why. No, yeah, I don't, it, it wasn't I that memorable. <laughs> I seriously don't remember. I know I, I listened to some of it, but I think it was one of those things where like, I meant to go back and listen to the rest and then I never did. Any, anyway, I I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I I just wanted to know if you had the context that I I am a huge huge David Foster Wallace fan, and I had actually read the interview that the book is transcribed pretty much word for word from. Yeah. Or at least like a lot of the conversations are lifted straight from that interview, and I still think Jason Siegel did a phenomenal job of playing him. Um, I. I do actually believe if you watch the movie, you could walk away understanding what the guy was about and yeah. what, what he cared about. So, yeah, it, I'm really glad somebody put it in because I feel guilty now that I forgot about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, no, I mean, I, I, at the time, like in that episode, you did mention about how you felt a little bit less about the film simply because it was literally just the exact same thing you had read transposed visually. So mm-hmm. it, it like... You you did struggle with it at the time too. Um, it wasn't just like oh, I wasn't into it. It was it was something that was weird about it for you. Um, but yeah, it, it was my introduction to the guy, and it makes me very happy that you guys are so positive on the film. I mean, I I only took it off because I uh, again I you know thought there would be overlap. I thought for sure Stephen would have it on his <laughs> you, list. You took it off because you couldn't combine it with another film in the genre. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, if I can't get a twofer, I'm not putting this thing on the list. Well, there was another movie that I was trying to put on. Then I was like, well, I have a feeling someone's going to mention End of the Tour. So I took it off. But I mean, it's a near perfect movie, I think. Like, it's it's so... Like, the, James Ponzel, the director, is like... It's only his third movie. And it's just... I, I don't know. He's just really, really good. So he, He's batting, like, a perfect average right now for me. I've... 
I loved all of his movies so far. Yeah, because like I didn't, I wasn't really a fan of Smashed, and then I just kind of thought, okay, and then I mean, I don't know. He just, for me, it just was a complete one eighty. You know, after that, I was like, man, I shouldn't have doubted the guy. And I wasn't into Smashed either. Yeah. But anyway, so. So you didn't put this in your number eight slot, Carson. But what did you put there, or what? things what multiple films well, did you put in your number i changed eight it up uh because it was going to be like movies i you know like i said wasn't expecting much from but really enjoyed uh, uh so i just changed it to uh romance movies uh because the one movie that i had in there was a romance and that was uh far from the matting crowd which is uh carrie mulligan is in it and uh obviously it's adaptation of the famous book that I've never read and have no idea what it's about, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought the trailer looked... even after the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like the book. Like, I, I, but I was like, the trailer looks cool. Um, and uh, uh, Thomas Vinterberg, who directed the film, like, is known for doing like these really hardcore, like, like Lars von Trier type of like depressing shit. Um, and uh, I was like, well, that that's probably going to be pretty good. And um, surprisingly it was like the like nicest movie i think he's probably ever done like it's um it had a really like kind of like dark undercurrent to it but uh it, it was just it was one of those movies where like it was completely conventional but like everything about it was so well done like uh i mean you know where it's going like from the very beginning but like i i don't know what it was i just was completely on board throughout the whole thing it reminded me of the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice um, that came out like 10 years ago, which was the same kind of thing where it was just like a really well done adaptation of a story we've seen like countless times before. But something about it, it was just like very like it was just a, it was just a nice movie. And obviously uh, all of the actors are really good in it. And uh, I will say that uh, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name, but the, he was in the Bullhead and the Danish girl, but uh, Matthias Schoenarts, like, he is, like, the most badass sheep herder <laughs> that I've seen. He made me, like, he made, like how Matt Damon made botany look cool in The Martian, like, he made sheep herding look really cool. Oh, this is the guy that looks movie. like Vladimir Putin. This is the Putin guy. <laughs> is it? Yeah. yeah, he was He was also in The Drop with uh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> the really small version of his picture looks like James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like James Franco, from, from yeah. My iPad, really, really small. The way his facial hair is with his IMDb photo. Yeah, I yeah, know. If you click on picture number, like, seven, you'll find him without facial hair. He's like yeah. the, That's bel- where the, the Belgian really version. Shines. <laughs> I, yeah. You said that so loud in our theater, too, after the Danish girl. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, and then uh, uh, Michael Sheen is also really good in it. Uh, he plays like a. I, I just say like I was like the ending of his character arc is like very satisfying and also very sad. But uh, anyway, I really like that movie. I don't think it got enough uh, praise. It was kind of just like oh whatever, but it, it was really cool. Um, and then the other one was uh, the Duke of Burgundy, which has gotten some talk, but. Uh, I'm sure it'll be mentioned, but, uh, you know, everyone's talking up Carol, and I'm just like, but it's no Duke of Burgundy, because that was the uh, younger, older, uh, lesbian 
romance movie of 2015, in my opinion. <laughs> and there's um, only room for one. <laughs> there is only... not an Oscar category for that yet. <laughs> there, can be only love. there can be only one. Uh, <laughs> in a motion picture or a comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, uh, the, the guy who did Barbarian Sound Studio, which I think I had like a couple years back on my list. Yeah, I remember you the, mentioning it. Yeah, he, so he's directed this movie and it's just really, I mean, if you watch it, you'll probably be like, well, I know why he likes this, but, uh, uh, um, because <laughs> like, no it's, it's very like the, it's, it's not gratuitous, but uh, it's it's very like kinky. It was like kinkier than Fifty Shades of Grey. Like there was a lot more. There was a lot weirder shit going on. Uh, let's just say that Christian Grey did not use Anastasia Steele's mouth as a toilet. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> All right. But there's a lot of like there's a lot of like really like risque stuff. But it's like handled really well. And they're like both scientists at like this this like university in the mountains, and they're they're. Uh, uh, they're uh they specialize in in looking at butterflies it's just it's it's a very unique movie and uh yeah it's it, it, it puts carol to shame i'll just say that i i have heard good things about it i didn't hear about the mouth toilet thing but I, <laughs> i've definitely heard positive things and there's a mouth toilet to in it for it sure yeah it's it's uh it's very it's one of a kind that's for sure yeah, I I also particularly Duke of Burgundy. I was actually really planning on checking it out. Uh, oh, I get just, it, Duke of Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> just just barely missed the cut. Uh, and far from the madding crowd. Yeah, like. The... Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen. This is the dumbest joke. <laughs> it's funny. The Duke of Burgundy. His mouth is a toilet, and it's the Duke of Burgundy. Because. But that's like, like I feel like if you took a Duke in her mouth. When you, when you describe it, it sounds so ridiculous, but it's handled like so. It's handled really well. I don't know how he did it. So, anyway, we interrupted, anyway, we I, interrupted him. I heard good things. Uh, far from the Madden crowd, I was also kind of sad to not check out. Like I didn't, I didn't hear amazing things, but I remember Carson being really sold on it. Um, yeah, I mean, both both seem like good picks, good good movies. Should I jump to my number eight? I feel like extrapolating yes. this is going to be a four-hour episode. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> number eight, Stephen. Okay, so my number eight is the Dallas Buyers Club Award. That's what I named last year for like the traditionally told movie that didn't do anything particularly new, but did what it did normally very, very well. Um, so my runner-up, I think this should also be known as the Sorry Carson Award. Um, mm, free held. <laughs> Yeah. So my runner up Dude, I didn't even see that. It was in theaters for like a week. Like no one cared for it. <laughs> Sorry. Um uh, my my runner up was Brooklyn, which Chris and I saw together last week. Uh and I thought for a movie that really didn't look like much at all from the trailer, it wound up being a phenomenally well done, very simple love story. I think if it hadn't faltered pretty heavily in the third act, it would have beat out my number one choice which I know Carson hated because he mentioned it last week, which is Love and Mercy. <laughs> um, <laughs> How can you pick Love which, and Mo Mercy over Brooklyn? I know, I know, I know, I know. Anyway. Uh, this was an airplane movie. That's part of it. So, okay, Love and Mercy, that probably benefited the most from the airplane effect where you're sitting, you're in a bad mood, a bad situation, and you just want to feel something good. You just, you just want altitude you just... sickness. <laughs> you just want to walk out of the plane. <laughs> 
and, and okay, so my good vibrations from watching this movie came down to <laughs> almost only two things. Paul Dano's performance and the Beach Boys soundtrack. Um, I mean, people emphasize the John Cusack stuff as being awkward or terrible. And like, I disagree. I actually thought it counterbalanced the meat of the movie pretty well. It definitely was like a hammier, much more superficial counterpoint. Like, I get if that part of the movie turns you off. But I think the heart of the movie is about music and soul and just like the power of music and the kind of beautiful mind feeling of what can a person create when they're tapping really deeply into themselves. And like as someone who quite likes the Beach Boys, but never actually knew the story of Brian Wilson or how Pet Sounds got made, I just found it like phenomenally fun to watch. I loved the music in the movie, loved Paul Dano's performance, even like Elizabeth Banks and John Cusack, that part in the context of the older stuff really worked for me, actually. Um, so I don't know. For me, it was the most feel-good movie experience I had this year. And even if it happened sleep-deprived on a flight to London, I, I got to give it props. I I really liked it. I actually think Chris would really like it, too. Carson hated it. Whatever. I mean, I said it was bad, and it it is. I, I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I said it was bad, and I was not lying. I mean... I just think there are a lot better music biopics. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, though, that Paul Dano is the best thing in the movie. And the scenes where he's in the recording studio uh, making, you know, those songs, I wish the whole movie was like that. Like, cause I mean, that, that was... is the movie for me. Like, that is what sticks with me. Yeah, but I mean, there was just, I don't know, there was just all this other stuff where it's going through the usual motions of that kind of movie. And I just I just wanted to see him, you know doing his thing in the in the recording studio love and mercy is also the prequel to prisoners right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) no it's the the prequel for paul giamatti to uh to straight out of compton that's what it is (laughs) he just became the perfect slimy blonde-haired record dealer in this movie like right yeah that's just what he does yeah well, I didn't see Love and Mercy. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and kind of just because I, I used to be really into the Beach Boys as well. Um, so I was kind of excited for the idea of the film, but I never got around to watching it. I will say, though, about Brooklyn, which Stephen and I talked at length on the curb <laughs> outside the movie theater as we were waiting to get picked up. But uh, the it's a film where during the film I was like, oh, my God, I think I love this movie. I'm going to have to find a spot on my top ten list to put this freaking movie. And I feel like the the way the character is written towards the end of the film basically just killed my love of the film. And I I don't know if... Maybe I shouldn't be able to fault the entire film for not sticking the landing just because of how much I was enjoying the beginning of it. But it it just... I I walked out of that movie so angry (laughs) at the character, too. Wow. I, I walked out of that movie uh, happy and and relieved that that it ended nicely because if they had taken a Nicholas Sparks route and somebody got off, I was gonna f-ing lose it. I was like, no, please have her make it back and be with the the guy. Like I just I, I don't know. I was I was wrapped up in it. I think better no, 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 Nicholas. Like, I, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's it's all the decisions the character makes in the scenario she's in with our with our homeboy Donald Gleason. <laughs> well, yeah, Donal got the shaft, but uh, uh, I I I loved that movie. It was it was really good. So I, cool. I can't I can't fault anything in that movie. It was it was kind of like an end of the tour where I just was like so 
floored by like how simple and effective it was. So which one was your actual film, Stephen? Oh, uh, my actual one was Love and Mercy. Yeah. Okay. He went with but the dad. this da- was another toss-up. He went with the dad rock choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just had to make sure because I know you threw out like 15 movies. So I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to write these down so I have them in my head. All right. So my number eight. Yeah. Luckily, I can try to save some time because there's not a lot of stuff I can say about this film other than my number eight is Victoria, which is a film that has a gimmick to it. But the, unlike other films that try to use similar gimmicks, the gimmick disappears during the course of the film, and what you watch feels like the most honest performances you have seen because they kind of just are. There's no, there's no, there's no cutting. There's no like redoing. It. It's like this is it. What you are watching is the way it happened, and there's no tricky camera moves. They're not flying out, out in and out of windows. It's just a film presented presenting a situation to you that you watch through to completion. And I was just really impressed with what this film did and the way that the characters felt like real people doing real things. And it didn't feel like a silly excuse for not turning a camera off. So Victoria, number eight, go see it. Don't look up the freaking description for the damn movie because (laughs) it's a spoiler. Oh, man, this is going to be a four hour episode because Victoria was awful. (laughs) (laughs) I next. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I if I had to do a top five worst, it would definitely be top three. Like that was one of the worst experiences I've ever. Like I had, I had like my eyes hurt watching that movie because it's because you sit in the second row. No, person. it was because the the shaky cam was so atrocious. It was like oh, it was it was it was killing me. You know, the further you sit back, the less shaky shaky that's gonna look to you. Well, <laughs> if the movie had actually been good, then uh, I probably it probably wouldn't have mattered. But. uh this movie is better than The Revenant. <laughs> no, although I, I did think when it was over that it could potentially be Chris's number one movie. Like, I thought it'd be higher than number eight, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I just, because, like, I don't know, I just, it just, it, it it seemed like it would be higher. I don't know. Well, at, I least, at least that means I'm not crazy for having it number eight. It just, no. <laughs> it just I, means that Carson or it just means the shit Carson knows movie. the type of craziness you have. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, for all the reasons you loved it, I didn't lo- love it because I felt like the gimmick in the movie was the only thing it had going for uh, because everything else in it wasn't very interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> so everybody copy and paste this into our review of The Revenant if we ever record that. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, uh, The Revenant actually had, like, good cinematography and, like, actually good performances. And, like, in the in victoria you were just like i hate all of these people because they were just they were just dumb like why would why would she go along with with that whole plan like i just and and just to say that, that but no but to say that to say that this movie has spoilers in it i'm not gonna say what it is like what happens but i i just feel like the the progress of the movie is very predictable and even if you didn't know what was going to happen it's easy to know where it's going to go because there's only so many places where it could go because they were limited to a certain amount of things and it, it becomes... Yeah, but it, it could go like irreversible or something. <laughs> like, Yeah, but... Like, there's, there's definitely a sense of dread that hangs over the, the film and once you're done, you know... Like, it, it, it could be a million things and the longer the film goes, the less and less things it could be. Um and I, I don't know. It was an arduous experience. And Steven still hasn't watched it yet, right? No, Even though I, it's I, available on VOD. 
I almost watched it yesterday for you, but I didn't do it. <laughs> you gotta settle. You gotta settle it, man. I mean, I just I'll, think I'll that, give it a shot. I don't know. There was just yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Birdman where it had. There was obviously a gimmick to that, but there was a, everything else about that movie. There was it was interesting, and there was like top notch stuff. And like in Victoria, it was just like, well, we have this idea to do a two and a half hour one take movie. And that's it. Like, that's all it yeah. felt like to me. Also, because of how long the film was, my car got locked in a garage, and it ended up costing me $100 to see this movie. What? <laughs> so, Holy shit. Because my car got locked in a garage, I had to Uber home, then Uber back in the morning oh my... to get my car out and pay for parking. So I still liked it, even though it cost me $100. Dude, that is legit bad. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I would be so mad. Like I was even like I like I'll I know we're going long, but like when I saw this movie, we're the only two people in the theater, and I'm not kidding. Ten minutes left in the movie, the projector just died. Like not even <laughs> like not even not even like it just cut to black. It literally like it was like a deflating fart. It was just like <laughs> like I heard the projector fart and die. Like that's how sad it was. And like. My girlfriend was just like, I think that's just how it ends. And I'm like, no, no. I saw, like, the subtitles <laughs> fading. Like, that was a, that was the projector had enough of this shit. <laughs> and, like, and the lady came in. She was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, this is a $70,000 piece of equipment. Like, I don't know what happened. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, don't worry about us. Like, we needed a break from this. <laughs> like, I want to see the last 10 minutes because I don't want to make it this far and be like, Oh, fuck, like, because I don't want to come back to this, but yeah. All right, well, why don't you let me put your number seven? <laughs> so at least I got that out of it. It was a funny story. Um, All right, quickly. What, number seven, um, uh, I called this one The Youth, um, because there are two, like... <laughs> because it's the movie The Youth. Yeah, it was The Youth by Paolo <laughs> no, Sorrentino. It was not Youth. Um, uh, no, that is not on this list. Um, uh, but because it's about uh, it's like two coming of age stories, but from two very different uh, sides of life. Uh, one was the movie Dope, which I thought was like really a really fun movie. Uh, with that was in the spirit of like some of these uh, old '90s uh, urban films like Friday and Juice. And uh, then on the complete opposite side is a movie that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Steven liked it, but Chris, not so much. Uh, but I, I really love this movie. It was Mistress America. Uh, I think Noah Baumbach had, uh, two really great... <laughs> I did like the movie. I didn't like the beginning of the movie. Once oh. it goes crazy, I, I fell in love with the movie. Okay, I couldn't remember, though, so I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought, uh, he had two really good movies this year, but Mistress America was just, uh, dude, that whole ending sequence was, <laughs> that was just, like, the funniest shit. Yeah, that, it was the whole amazing. Scene, that whole scene where they're in the house. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Greta Gerwig is is a star, so uh, I, I really like that movie, and it had a really good score too. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I really loved uh, that movie. Though I do think While We're Young is maybe the more deserving candidate. But both movies, no, Bombach had a great year this year. <laughs> I, yeah. I dug both of them quite a bit. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Both. That's what you're remembering as while we're young is the movie I did not like. Oh, okay, yeah. Now that you say it, I remember now. Okay. Yes. Which which <laughs> which which concludes my thoughts on his picks. So Steven, <laughs> number seven. Okay, uh from here on out I'm done apologizing to people. <laughs> like the rest of these movies I'm not embarrassed for. 
Uh, and this time I did what I never do, which is I actually shuffled documentary into my normal top 10 picks. Usually, like, I don't know how to deal with it because a movie about genocide, how can I stack that up against, like, a love movie with an AI and Joaquin Phoenix? Um, but this time I decided to try. Uh, so my runner-up is Cartel Land, uh, which everybody is talking about making a murder, and maybe that movie is excellent, but to me, Cartel Land is just proof of what crazy things a documentary uh, documentary filmmaker can do. Um, I mean, that movie is just the camera gets behind the actual cartel in Mexico. It gets behind vigilante groups who are fighting the cartel in Mexico. It watches as they, mild spoiler, maybe become indistinguishable from the cartel as they fight them. Just a mind-blowing movie. Um, But the real winner of what I called the Act of Killing Award is very predictably The Look of Silence, which is Joshua Oppenheimer's follow-up to The Act of Killing. Um, There's not even much to say about it. Like, Everything I loved about the act of killing, I love here. It just, it really shows you what does evil look like and how does evil justify itself. Like, crazy, crazy documentary experience would urge everyone to check it out. Yeah, I I, I liked uh, Look of Silence a lot. I mean, I also liked Act of Killing. So, I mean, they were both, they're both, uh, you know, one of a kind documentary uh, I didn't see Cartel Land though, but I heard it's good. Obviously, yeah, you that have... one was nuts. <laughs> you you've sold me on Cartel Land. I'm definitely gonna check that one out. I still have not seen Look uh, or Act of Killing. Um, so obviously, Look of Silence. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, have not I think, get around to either. I think in content, in the kind of mind blowing, you know, 120 character description, I think Cartel Land is a crazier movie. Uh, the Look of Silence was just, like, in addition to being very powerful and very interesting, it was also just, like, really well-made. I thought there were very, like, artful directions Joshua Oppenheimer took with it. I think he's very, like, caring. And given that he's basically interviewing Hitler, he's weirdly forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I really liked that. I think it it showed a lot of restraint for a subject matter that you could just crank to 11 if you ever wanted to get on the like Michael Moore type of criticizing and finger pointing. Like he really takes it to an interesting place. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, it's not uh, the look of silence, but it is a story about a bunch of people keeping silent about something and other people trying to figure out what that thing is. In my awesome translation, or translation, my awesome transition, my number seven film is Spotlight. Spotlight. <laughs> um. We are duly appointed federal Martians. Carnage um. industry. <laughs> so yeah, Spotlight is a film. Like Spotlight is is the like you could almost I, I i should almost just for the idea of what i'm going for i should almost have it at like 5.5 on my list because it's it's just a it's just a well executed film like it's it's not the best film that's been out this year it's the most perfectly contained standard great storytelling piece of isolated film making that i think came out it doesn't it doesn't have as high a highs as other films, it definitely doesn't fall to the lows of other films. It's just a solid freaking movie. And I, I remember watching it and just being like, they could have, 
done such, they could have done really cheesy things or like heavy handed things with the story in this film. Um, I mean, you can listen to our review for full thoughts on it, but like basically I just thought it was an incredibly solid piece of filmmaking and a great telling of a story that is unfortunately not so great. So spotlight number seven. Uh, yeah. Spotlight was really good. Um, uh, it's, for all the reasons you've said, I, I think that uh, it's a movie that doesn't go for big. It goes for uh, for very understated uh, performance. Like there's no there's no like moment where someone's like trying to you know get in the Oscar reel. Um, I, I think that there's just a lot of like it's just regular people doing their job and they're really good at it. I, I like movies where people are really good at their jobs and they they do it well. Like um, uh, yeah. I almost thought of, like, putting this in, like, Steve Jobs in a category because, like, they, I don't know, because they were both about, they had, like, the same, you know, watching people be really good at stuff, so. They're, they're both about jobs. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I like Spotlight a lot. <laughs> that yeah, so, I, that's so terrible, Steven. <laughs> I, I, I very much liked it, too. Um, I'm hesitant to say too much because it, uh, why why like you know beat around the bush it will come up later in my list um but yeah everything you said it's a great movie about just people keeping their head down i think the characters and the actors they're both really just like focusing on doing their part as well as possible not not being showy not being too like too grandstanding or too idealistic just really like keeping their head down and working and uh yeah, I really liked it, and I will talk about it more soon. Yeah, cool. like, uh, Liev Schreiber was the ultimate understated boss. Like, <laughs> he was pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of awesome things, Carson, would you like to let us know what your number six film is? Oh, uh, do I ever. Um, it's two really great uh, westerns that weren't The Hateful Eight or The Revenant, uh, but uh, one did star Kurt Russell, and that was Bone Tomahawk. Which uh, probably has the most badass title of a movie in 2015, but uh, <laughs> that was also the alternate title for Spotlight. <laughs> oh, whoa! Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> going dark. Schnee's runner going dark. He he, scor- he just f-ing scorched it, man. Scorch trials over here. The scourge. <laughs> you won't be able to handle the scourge. The scourge. Like, oh, little finger can't hide that accent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Bone Tomahawk um, combines uh, Western and horror, which is uh, not something you see a lot, and, and comedy. It's it's really well written. Like, uh, it's, it's near Tarantino-level dialogue, I think. It's uh, really, really awesome uh, characters and uh, really hilarious interaction between all of the characters and uh the basic premise is that uh patrick wilson is in it and he plays a sheriff and then his wife gets kidnapped by a bunch of cannibals and uh kurt russell is is the uh the sheriff in town and he he rounds up a bunch of people to go uh to go find her and uh it's it's really good uh matthew fox is in it and uh richard jenkins (laughs) and uh sean young david arquette there's a ton of people in this movie uh it's it's a it's a very unique and fun time, and uh, it's got one of the craziest cannibal kills you've seen in a movie. 
So <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of cannibal kills. So, uh, dude, so I, I mean, any of them would be crazy to me. I mean, there's a lot of like I've seen cannibal holocaust, and there's some crazy shit in that. But I've never seen someone be killed in the way that they've been killed in this movie. <laughs> I was like, whoa! Like even for even like all the stuff in the hateful eight was like didn't compare to this. I was like, damn movie goes hard anyway uh the other good western was uh, a movie called slow west uh with uh michael fassbender and uh man that movie is really good too it kind of like just went straight to vod um but it was really good like uh and it's only like 80 minutes long and it just like it goes by it's like super short but it's like very compact and um and it's also kind of like a love story too and uh ben mendelson plays the villain in it and there's just like a lot of again like a really a lot of unique take on like the western genre a lot of like really cool imagery and stuff um i mean there's not much else to say other than you should see it um it was one of three movies that fassy was in that that were all great so uh yeah, anyway. yeah i think the moment you said western both of those movies came to mind. As <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote them both down before he said it. <laughs> two, two movies that I knew I could catch on VOD that I have felt terrible about not catching yet. Especially Slow West, because that came out in like April or something. Yeah, it came out in and May, yeah. I literally I rented it on iTunes twice and let it expire because <laughs> like I just never wound up watching it. I thought you were the guy who just buys them. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still a renter. Oh. But no, from everything I hear... I really should have watched those movies. Yeah, it was good. And I will add them to my queue. Do do it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Just do it's it already. Card. So is, is that my queue, by the way? Yeah, that is your queue. Stephen, why don't you give us your numbers six? Okay, so number six is the Stephen isn't as snobby as commenters think he is. Sometimes he likes movies people actually saw award. Um, so last year, I don't even remember. I think I gave it to Edge of Tomorrow. Um, this is just for like a big mainstream movie that blew me away while still being able to be like big audience big budget just a big movie and spoiler a few others might show up higher on the list Uh, so runners up were creed inside out the walk all of those movies i really really enjoyed the walk most surprisingly um but really like creed and inside out i kind of can't believe i didn't find room for them on the list um the one I did find room for is the movie that was just tailor-made for me, pretty much, which is The Martian. Um, so my favorite quote was A.A. A. Dowd. He called it the God's Not Dead of movies for atheists. <laughs> because <laughs> this is just like with the same kind of religious conviction that those hokey evangelical movies get made, where they're just preaching to the choir, showing you their lead character succeeding and succeeding against adversity. Uh, this movie does that for like science and the human uh, the human spirit. It's just like it's an unabashed joyride and an ode to the fun and the brilliance of problem solving. And I think it's really anchored by um, Matt Damon. He's just the perfect charismatic star. He has the right amount of whimsy, self-deprecation, and just cool factor. Um, and it really just has a respect for the craft of science. So. I don't think any movie this year left me with a bigger, dumber smile. And I'm glad after Exodus, Gods and Kings, Ridley Scott made like a legitimately great movie. 
Yeah, which is crazy to think that he went from that to The Martian. Um, I, I think that's it's Ridley Scott's best movie since Gladiator. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing but praise for The Martian. Like I, you know, there was all that like brouhaha when it got nominated at the Golden Globes for a comedy, but like I legit thought The Martian was the funniest movie of 2015. <laughs> like it's a it's a really funny movie. Like it's just nonstop comedy and just really entertaining sci-fi so yeah yeah i agree um it may come up later (laughs) Um, (laughs) i i I don't want to step on you sorry no um i i mean it's definitely a very funny film one of the funniest of the year i would agree i still don't like the idea of calling it a comedy i think you can have not comedies that are very funny but then again i looked at the other stuff in that list and i wouldn't want spy to win for best comedy (laughs) it was definitely funnier than spy as much as i liked spy i mean i genuinely really liked spy yeah um but i i just i feel weird giving that movie an award (laughs) look i'm just glad train wreck didn't win for anything oh the try one i would have been happy but the the moment i saw the martian like when the martian was in that category it was clear it had to take home the trophy i think it's deserved like it had plenty of laugh out loud moments i I mean i think they just put it there so they they could give you know they could award it and something else you know what i mean yeah yeah no, I, I agree. Uh, and, and also, just for the record, when you said this is the award for C. Steven likes movies that everybody else likes, too, I wrote The Martian down. And then I was about to scribble it out when you started talking about other things. And then I was like, eh. And then you're like, The Martian. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like Steven was like, I love Paul Blart, too. Like, was, you know, I mean, a lot of people love The Martian. It got, like, yeah. it's a it's a well-reviewed movie. It's, it's the second mm-hmm. best space movie this year after Pixels. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kid. I kid. Well, no, it, Ricky Gervais had a joke at the Golden Globes. They said it, at least The Martian was funnier than Pixels. Yeah, nice. It's I didn't get to watch it because apparently you can't stream that shit online. Oh. Piss me off. Well, you Anyways, can, anyway. My number six, which is not yet The Martian, mm. um, is uh, this is a film that uh, I think finally, actually, I can't say finally because Carson and I actually agree with me on some other stuff, but uh, it, it follows. Um, oh yeah, of course. It, it follows this freaking amazing movie. <laughs> this movie is so good. Uh, it's, um, it's very good. Yes. Yeah, like it, it, it's a film that like I walked in, I was like, all right, whatever. I'm gonna see this movie. Carson thinks it's gonna be cool. Whatever. I'll oh, see it. I already, I already seen it and told you how cool it was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I, I, it was one of those things where like I didn't want to believe. Like I was like, okay, this is probably gonna be like. <laughs> I didn't cool. want to agree. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be cool in a Carson way. It's not gonna be cool in a Chris way. And like, just the conceit of this freaking movie is amazing. Like, just just what it's going for is brilliant, and it it has the least scariest, most scariest thing, or the most scary, seemingly least scariest possible like the thing that this whole film is making you scared of is somebody just walking towards you yeah (laughs) well for a guy who was afraid to go in jupiter without knowing anybody i think hey hey (laughs) hey, just you just shut your way jupiter ascending no jupiter a bar in berkeley i I went to a movie and steven was like you should go in this bar and i stood across the street from the bar and just like yeah there's a lot of people in there Mm. But anyways, It Follows is a brilliant film with a brilliant idea behind it, and it's executed amazingly well. And uh, if you have not seen it, 
go see it follows because yeah. um it's one yeah. of, it's one of the best horror movies ever it, it's it's pretty amazing yeah steven still hasn't watched it yeah no. i'm only mildly regretful to say that i haven't watched it i know i heard it isn't really scary oh it's very scary it has been well documented that i'm a wimp <laughs> um my favorite horror movie this year was the visit that's <laughs> as scary as i can do that's and i like, kid you not it's like disney when, scary when the lights are off i frequently am afraid that grandma is scurrying around downstairs <laughs> naked <laughs> So yeah, I should catch. I know, I know, I should catch it. I've heard it. I have not yet caught up with it. Follows. Oh, the visit that was. I don't even that. I think I told you it was like it just felt like a. It felt like the movie equivalent of an old man using trying to use a computer. Like that's <laughs> that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Well, now that we're an hour and twenty minutes into this episode, <laughs> we have finally arrived at the place last year we started with. So Carson, only two hours to go. Still shorter than. Uh, I don't know. Our Inception <laughs> review. Yeah, Inception. There you go. Well, which is still my favorite movie of all time. So anyways, Carson. Right. Start us off. Let us know what your fifth favorite film of the year is. I'll say this. Chris might be able... He'll probably be able to guess the one movie in this, but uh, uh, I like to call this one uh, Literary Adaptations on Flocka. And, um, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, one of them... Michael Fassbender coming back in uh, is uh, Macbeth, uh, which was really awesome. Uh, yeah, again, talk about uh, taking a, a story that's been done a bunch of times before and completely doing something just completely insane with it. Um, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, Fassie plays Macbeth and it's f- crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like, it's an in-your-face, like, it's just loud, in-your-face f***ery. Like, it's, it's, it's an experience, for sure. Uh, With the soundtrack by Metallica. It's super crazy. Dude, that would have been, that would have been legit. But it has, like, it has, like, a rock-sounding score. Like, it's, like, it's kind of, like, it's very, like, kind of lulling, you know? Like, you, it starts to, like, put you to sleep, and then all of a sudden it's, like, boom, 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 like, it just gets, like, right, right in your face. You're like, oh god, um, yeah. The uh, I talked about a movie I think before when we used to do the what we've been watching uh, called Snowtown Murders, and uh, this is the same director, and he is he's on a different level, man. And uh, he's gonna be uh, reteaming with Fassie to do the Assassin's Creed movie next or this Christmas. So uh, that's probably gonna be pretty awesome. If you watch Macbeth, you're gonna be like, I can't wait to see assassin's creed i don't even play assassin's creed but i was like it's gonna be f-ing awesome um, <laughs> as long as it's better than fucking prince of persia <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i have i could probably Which is, guarantee you... assassin's creed came from like prince of persia right basically. yeah yeah like, it came after yeah but but i mean it, it's basically the exact same thing it's like a dude who runs on walls <laughs> except for, what... for in assassin's creed there's like some weird matrixy matrixy bullshit going on i i think if you watch macbeth you will be very excited to watch assassin's creed i know i am and like i said i don't even i don't even know the game that well i just know that uh it'll be interesting for sure because he's i think he's he's a kind of filmmaker like a ryan johnson who just can't make something that's unique um so the other movie i don't know if you guessed it chris but uh i think we were gonna review it but he didn't like it so uh but i i loved it and uh 
a lot of people hated the f*** out of this movie, and I don't know why, um, because it's it's really fun and great. Uh, but that's Pan. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I knew you were going to squeeze it in somewhere. I, I didn't even – I couldn't even fathom in my head that you were talking about Pan. Um, so, yeah, Pan is uh, the new Joe Wright movie uh, who also did uh, Hannah, which famously – Chris did not like. Dude, I would wa- to, to, to borrow a Carsonism. I would watch Hannah a million times before <laughs> I'd watch Pan again. But I don't understand because Pan is it's it's a lot of fun. Like there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on. It has a very adventurous spirit, which I think is missing from a lot of kids' movies these days. It also has fairy kinesis. But that was cool. Like, I, dude, come on. How can you say no to a movie where Hugh Jackman walks out and all his slave children are singing Smells Like Teen Spirit? Like, that's a, <laughs> that's a movie that I'm on board with right there. Like, in the theater, I was like, the f*** is happening that, right I now. was all about that. <laughs> and then, I, and then uh, fucking Hugh Jackman is like... not my pan. <laughs> not my... We're like, hook all the way. Yeah, hook all the way for sure, dude. I, I would... Uh, I... I agree, Hook all the way, but I think Pan uh, stands on its own as a crazy ass kids movie. I don't know, how, two dude. I don't know how they gave. I don't know how they gave him all this money to make this movie because it's <laughs> it's uh it's off the charts, man. I mean, come on, how can you not? How can you not enjoy Hugh Jackman like sniffing fairy dust and getting high off it and with this gas mask? Like well, that was really was... weird when that fairy dust was coming out of fairy panties. <laughs> And then, like, people, when they die, they explode into, like, rainbow colors. Like, that, it, there's just a lot of, like, there's there's a lot that, like, appeals to me in this movie. <laughs> the only part of the movie that appealed to me at all was any second that Rooney Mara was on screen. And then after that, I was like, ugh, this movie. Well, it was still a lot better than Carol, that's for sure. There's a lot more going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I, I love the f*** out of Pan. I don't know if Chris noticed, but I put Pan Lover on the return address... Of no, I the, did uh... see that. I thought you were saying that ironically as you sent me the disc for Area no. 51. Hell no. No, dude. I, I I think that it's a movie that I legitimately think that, that people will come back to it after like a couple of years. Because I, I don't know why everyone was so down on it. Steven's got to watch this movie because <laughs> it's good. I, I would say you do have to watch it, Steven, because I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's trolling me right now. No, I I'm not. I think I have to. I think I have to because Chris pretty much convinced me that there's no way in hell I should waste my time watching that movie. (laughs) But I think this is a great segue, by the way, to my number five, Mm. which Carson perfectly name dropped. Um, Carol? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So we're now in the part of the show where I no longer have runners up. These are just my top five movies. Um, And Carol, as Carson mentioned... um, the best way I can describe it is that it's the perfect episode of Mad Men. Um, it was just a hypnotic movie for me. It, it seduces you with the glamour of this like old Hollywood era, at the same time trying to tell you that that old Hollywood era wasn't that glamorous. Um, it's just very captivating filmmaking. It had wonderfully kind of enigmatic characters. It had this great filmic quality that I feel like I don't see enough of anymore. Uh, the score was beautiful. The acting was great. And probably the best compliment I can give it is that for a movie starring two straight actresses who you would think they're doing their kind of big broke back bid for the Academy Award, um, it never felt like a gimmick to me. I, I, I totally believed it. And yeah, I was just completely charmed by this movie. <laughs> I know 
Chris felt otherwise. But yeah, I, I love this movie. I mean, I was just, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I mean, I think it looks amazing, um, but I, it just left me really cold. Like, I didn't believe their romance, and that's obviously why I mentioned The Duke of Burgundy um, as the alternative movie uh, for last year. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I was really wanting to see it, because I think Todd Haynes is a really interesting filmmaker and he's done like, I mean, I really liked, I'm not there. Um, and obviously velvet Goldmine. There's just, he, he has like a, a really unique style and I don't know, that was like missing from Carol. It just seemed very straightforward and it wasn't, uh, I don't know. You said that it was like a really good episode of Mad Men, but like to me, uh, I mean, I can see, see why, uh, I mean, there's definitely parallels, but I mean, I don't know. And I really like Mad Men, but, I don't know. There was just, it just felt super cold and empty to me anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised. I feel like the, like, this is just a super textured movie, like, like the kind of more wandering episodes of Mad Men where you, if a person were to just come in halfway through the season, they would be like, why are you watching this guy sit in a chair and drink and look out the window? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But this whole movie just built that, tone for me so well it really really it just put me in that era it gave me all of the same kind of charm and at the same time it had the nice edge of having the like these moments that really undercut the charm uh, I definitely don't think it was a grand love story or like a big romance I think it was a a great period piece about a particular time and place and what it feels like to be lost. Um, yeah. I, it, it really hit me, even though Chris and I had like the most terrible viewing experience <laughs> where we were shoved in the very, very front seat of a tiny theater where you had to like crane your neck to even see the screen. But it, it worked for me a whole lot better than the Danish girl, which we saw right after. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it was a lot better than that, but uh, at least it wasn't a comedy. So that's, you know, anyways so so yeah i mean you can listen to to the review for our full thoughts on it but i basically agree with all the points that steven makes but because it wasn't a grand love story and because i don't think the the i don't think the story itself pays off for in a chris sort of way it took away from the experience of watching the whole film to me um which is why i did not key in and enjoy it as much as uh, steven did that being said my number five film, I did enjoy as much as Steven did, and I put The Martian at number five. So one up from what Steven put it, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because uh, we're all spending a lot of time talking about a lot of things, and I already agree with him. This movie is awesome. <laughs> the, the the five and up are, is my category of just raw, joyous enjoyment of the films that I saw. Um, so mostly, I love it will be my explanation going forward. <laughs> so... Do you want to take us into your number four, Carson? I, I would, I would say that too. Like, uh, if I, you know, were doing, you know, trying not to, you know, sidestepping all the overlapping, I think this would definitely be my top five. Uh, so yes, Pan would be in the fifth slot for sure. <laughs> um, <You> dick. <laughs> um, so number four is another uh two movies that uh well one a lot of people liked the other not so much um but uh, they both kind of have uh 
a thing that uh, I don't really care about a lot, uh, which is plot. So um, I, I feel like they were both super badass and didn't rely heavily on plot. They were more style over substance. So uh, one was taking it all the way back to January, and that was Michael Mann's Black Hat, which I thought was just super underrated. Like, again, everyone shit on it, but um, I mean, I can see why. Because if uh, <laughs> if you thought Miami Vice was divisive, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Because um, Black Hat was just even more all about the the mood and the the imagery than um, I guess you know. Obviously, people were expecting more of a collateral than or a heat than than uh, what they got in Miami Vice, but. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, I could watch Michael Mann movies all day, like, he's just, like, his style, it's like, it's almost, it almost borderlines on self-parody, but it just, like, he just, that's just him, like, it just, like, his whole, like, recent stream of movies where he's gone, like, the, the, uh, the digital way, like, it's just, like, that has completely captured his style, like, no other, and I think that Black Hat is just, uh, again, it's another movie where people are really good at their job, it's just, like, fun to watch, um, and then the other movie is, uh, I know you guys talked about it, I can't remember what you thought, but it was Sicario, which I really loved, and I really like uh, the director um, who did Prisoners and Enemy. Uh, I, Sicario was awesome. <laughs> like, I can't, There's really not much to say about that, and I know a lot of people had problems with how the, the story shifted and stuff, but... Uh, I didn't. I thought it was great. So, and there was, you know, people were saying how like, oh, Emily Blunt wasn't believable and Chris Hemsworth wasn't believable as a hacker. And I don't know. I believed it. I I bought it. So, whatever. I I thought they were really really well done uh, movies that just like really draw you in. Especially Sicario. Like even like when the 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 Lionsgate logo is coming up and there's just that like really <laughs> foreboding like really foreboding score in the background. You're just like, um, is like the AC still on? Like, what is that shit? And they're like, oh shit, like, we're gonna get in. Like, this is our, like, taking you right in. Uh, so yeah, it, it was good. It had a very, I, like, no country, like, Cormac McCarthy kind of vibe. I didn't see Black Hat, and I can't say I liked Sicario as much as everybody else, but damn, that border cross checkpoint scene is some of, like, the best action that oh, was man. on film this entire year. That was one of the oh, best, yeah. yeah, best action scenes. I think we can all agree. I, I was. This is one of those rare movies where I really was a plot person, or maybe at least like a a point of view person. Like I want to think the director is saying something, and I loved the first hour of Sicario. I thought it was it was really building up to a great movie full of you know dread and just that perfect chilly like nihilistic thing. Uh, but then I don't know. The rest of the movie really just felt like. He didn't know what he wanted to say. It felt like he undercut a lot of it. And in the end, like, if the first hour of the movie were a complete movie, I would have really dug it. But I was I was left with kind of a, like, a Rage Against Bush type feeling where it's like, this guy is really angry about the situation, but he doesn't have a point anymore. And, like, if the point doesn't matter, that's cool. But f this one annoyed me enough where I couldn't really get on board for it. I feel you there. Well, your loss. So, what isn't your loss is your number four film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so this True. one is going to be really short because everyone has mentioned it already. Um, like, normally this would have won the Dallas Buyers Club Award, but it was just too good for me, and that's uh, Spotlight. Spotlight. Like, 
It'll never get old. <laughs> what, what can I say that nobody else already said? I think I love this for the same kind of reason that I love a lot of David Fincher's like slow-burning procedural movies. I think it's just a very well-paced, perfectly acted movie that also just really kind of like the look of silence it takes a thing that you could go way over the top on the outrage machine with and instead just examines it very even-handedly very interestingly and uh yeah this is a great movie it's one of those few years where the big oscar contender doesn't bother me at all i think like this deserves to win whatever it wins it's a yeah just like a near perfect movie Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's lost all its steam to the Revenant, so. Oh well. Yeah, I don't know why. I I can't believe that. Well, the Revenant only has steam because it was so damn cold. Even a tiny bit of warmth <laughs> would cause steam in that That's weather. That's true. Uh, you know where else it's really steamy? Uh, my toilet. On a desert planet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what movies have desert planets, guys? I can think of two right now. Um, Furious Seven. <laughs> furious seven <laughs> no it's not furious seven it is a lot of sweaty people in that. star wars the force Awakens. oh of course jakku of uh, course yeah, dude i ain't going back to jakku <laughs> oh do you know jakku talking about willis all right we have to, i have to cut in for just a second because i need to know and this is kind of funny so like i was at disneyland on saturday and you know it's the season of the force so they turn space <laughs> mountain into hyperspace mountain and i I, it's gotta be Christopher Lloyd. Like, he's, so, like, when you're standing in line, there's, like, a voiceover guy, and he's like, Great Scott! Like, it, it almost <laughs> says Great Scott. Like, it sounds exactly like Christopher Lloyd, and he said, like, our pilots are going to Jakku! And I was like, ha ha, Jakku. And it was just funny. But it sounded <laughs> What's like... What's the question? I don't know, it just, inter- it just sounded like Christopher Lloyd, and he's talking about Jakku, and then you get in, and you're like, you know, they put, like, TIE Fighters in Space Mountain. Anyway, whatever. Force Awakens. Well, thank you for that break in, Carson. Batch. Yeah, it was it was important. So, <laughs> oh, I know nothing about uh, Space Mountain um, uh, because I haven't been to Disneyland in forever. But uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, you can listen to our full review, um, our spoiler filled review, to really know my full thoughts. But basically, as I've said a million times, as I've told Stephen, as he heard on the podcast, Star Wars: The Force Awakens is the Toy Story three. It is the Muppets reboot of these uh of of the star wars franchise and it made me realize that this franchise that i've been kind of like poo-pooing as everybody else was getting excited for it that i really do love it as much as they do um it is a film that just beat the shit out of me with nostalgia and um i really 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 enjoyed it um i know steven not so much. <laughs> yeah, so I caught this yesterday, mm. even though I pretty much knew it wasn't going to make my top 10. Like, my feeling was if the original Star Wars came out today, people would not dig it that much. I think, like, nostalgia is such a heavy part of this franchise, and it opened up a great thing. I think Hodorowski would have maybe opened up a little more. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, I grew up on Star Wars. I felt happy watching this movie. I liked it. I liked what JJ was going for. Completely middle of the road movie for me. Like I have not thought about one scene since I left the theater. Oh, Except... I, th- I think I think Stephen was was drunk off his truffle oil popcorn and Parmesan. <laughs> oh, and whoa! Couldn't, couldn't whoa. get the real oh, fancy. Couldn't get the real experience. <laughs> I will say I think Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac are having like the best year ever right now. Because <laughs> man, the two of them show up on so many movies that I love this year. 
which might be a hint as to future picks. But <laughs> I yeah. thought Star Wars was just fine. It it was nothing special to me. Bro, Dameron all the way. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm with Steven's you. Steven's out of the club. I'm me with and Carson. Will be Kylo Ren in it up. <laughs> I'm I'm all about Kylo Ren and and Poe Dameron. But uh, other than that, I was middle of the road too. So. It's okay. I mean, like I said, this is like it, it, it is just a mo- like we're at the point where like films. I don't even care if you don't like them. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, just... I mean, you know, that's how it should be. Yes. So Carson, what don't you care if we don't like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, three pan again. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> um, well, these are one. Uh, I won't say how these movies are kind of connected because. Uh, You'll just have to see him and you'll... It's a, it's a mystery for you to figure out. You'll know why if you see them. But uh, one is a movie that uh, it's it got like no... It got, I don't think anyone saw it, but uh, it was called Buzzard. And it came out back in March. And it was just like super, super like DIY filmmaking. Um, but in like the best possible way. Um, and it kind of starts off and I'm just like... I don't, I don't think I'm behind this, but then like it just slowly builds, and you're like, "This is a this is a fucking great movie," and um, it's a very strange movie, but uh, it's very good, and it's it's about I feel like it has a lot of relatable themes because like the main guy in it, um, he is you know is stuck in a dead end job, and like he's just trying to get by, and uh, he might have some problems mentally. I don't know, you know. But uh, things get very dark, and uh, it's a lot of really dark humor, and uh, yeah, it's really good. There's a he he's like obsessed with this uh, Nintendo Power Glove that he made. That's like a he fashions into like a Freddy Krueger hand uh, that comes into play in the movie, and it's just uh, I mean it's one of these movies that like you would have seen back in like the like the indie boom of like the early '90s, I think. Uh, anyway, it's really cool. There's like no stars or anything in it. It's like it's very like like I said like DIY to the max. But uh, it's really cool. It's it's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. So if you have that, stream it. Or you know if you want to go to Yuri's Pirate <laughs> Bay or something, you'll probably find it there. But uh, yeah, so the other movie that I really enjoyed was a movie called Kamiko, the Treasure Hunter, and. Um, it's a movie with uh, Rinko Kikuchi from Brothers Bloom at Pacific Rim. And, bang, uh, bang. What? I said Bang Bang. Yeah, Bang Bang. And uh, she plays Kumiko. How did you guess? And Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Does she haunt for treasure? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, but uh, so she is also a very sort of depressed person stuck in a dead-end job in uh, Tokyo and she is obsessed with the movie Fargo and uh you remember in if you remember in Fargo there's that uh fake you know uh th- thing in the beginning saying how like everything is a true story like what you're about to see so she is just basically at the end of her rope and grasping for any sort of hope in her life and she fully believes that Fargo happened and she travels to Fargo North Dakota uh, in search for the money that uh, Steve Buscemi buried out in the snow, uh, and uh, it's a it's a really really unique movie, and uh, she's re- really really great in it. And 
Yeah, that's a it's a movie you should check out because uh, I, I was just it's just like super unique, and uh, yeah. So Kamiko, check it out. She loves yeah. Fargo. <laughs> On my drive home, I was listening to the Fighting in the War Room podcast and to their top tens, and uh, they were talking about this film, and I was like, "This sounds like a movie I'm going to watch." <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, I was really sad uh, to not catch it. Carson told me to watch it yesterday. And Buzzard also was on my list of movies I really wanted to catch. Uh, oh, good. Film Spotting, film spotting actually really championed it. They had uh, Joel Petrikas on the show to talk about it. They've been really, really hamming it up. So, yeah. Well, I'm, no, glad, I'm, I'm glad someone's talking about it because it's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in both <laughs> quite a bit. There you go, number three. Steven. All right, so this is my wild card. And not only is it a wild card, it's completely a cheat because the movie, by like any measure, came out in 2014. Oh, the only measure go. that it didn't is that it didn't come to VOD till 2015. And if Rotten Tomatoes is any indication, at least half of all people didn't even hear about it until 2015. And I certainly didn't. Uh, and that movie is another documentary called The Overnighters. Um, and I have to throw this here for the same reason I did Calvary last year, where this movie is just perfectly tailored to my sensibility. Um, it's a documentary that's about kind of faith and doubt about a pastor trying to do the right thing with a congregation that doesn't enjoy the way he's doing it. Um, I think it gets at a lot of very kind of political issues that are relevant today. Um, he's trying to take in homeless people, letting them sleep in his church. Some of them have a history of violence and sexual abuse. And um, basically, you watch his career get completely destroyed uh, for trying to do the right thing. Uh, but then it takes an interesting turn where he isn't all that perfect a person and the townspeople aren't all that evil. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to put Show Me a Hero here, <laughs> uh, the TV show, but I couldn't cheat that much. Uh, so this was basically <laughs> the real life equivalent. <laughs> Uh, this was just a movie that examines how, like a lot of the movies on my list, how the good people aren't always that good, the hateful people aren't always that evil, and really just trying to like examine that gray area that they live in. So yeah, th this was another airplane for movie for me. I think it's on Netflix now. Um, I really love this movie. I, I wrote a lot about it on Letterboxd, if anyone <laughs> cares to hear. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, I kind of bet neither of you saw it, right? Correct. No, I saw you write about it, though. <laughs> Which is pretty much the same as watching it. I've, well, <laughs> you know, no, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend it, at least. So this year, I feel like I picked a lot of movies that, if not message movies, they at least, like, spoke to me in a very particular way. And this one, like, I've been thinking about this movie so much, and for all... For all the flash of like cartel land and these big, massive movies, this documentary is really like a, a quote, human documentary to me. It really just gets inside the head of people who are confused, people who think they're doing the right thing, people who are trying to show off for the camera, trying to seem better than they are. And yeah, if you grew up in a church, especially, I feel like this movie is going to hit you right in the gut. It sounds. It sounds very uplifting. <laughs> yeah. I, Not I, I even a like little. <laughs> no, obviously I, that was a joke. Anyway, so since Steven stopped naming the categories for his different uh, 
rankings moving forward, I'll pick up that slack. And uh, my number three film gets the uh, films that prove that Chris is just a 14-year-old girl on the inside uh, movies. The Longest mm. Ride. <laughs> the Longest <laughs> Ride. How do you, I just always wanted to be a cowgirl and uh, fall in love with a cowboy. Right. And uh, ride him for a long time. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> um, no, but my, uh, my number three is Inside Out. Guys, I don't know if it's just because I moved up to the Bay Area right around the time, literally the weekend this movie came out, and uh, maybe I just identified with the little girl in the film, Riley, uh, too much. I don't know. I just think this is this is it's. I I was I was ready to watch and poo poo this movie. I didn't even like when the when the teaser came out. I was like, Ugh, why are they trying to do this? Like. I feel like this is something that has been accomplished like by a million other people in a way better way. Watch the movie and dear God, this movie is so good. Um, it's inside out guys. Just, it, it's, I, I, I'm not even going to bother telling people it, it might be that I was just in the perfect mood to see this film in, but there's, there, I laughed, I cried. There's some dark ass shit in there that like, I don't even think people think is as dark as I think it is. Um, but it's it just, it was a brilliant film and I loved every moment of it. Even so, lava? Well, <laughs> that, that, it, there's literally, lava has its own credits. It's separate. I don't, I don't count it oh. as the same thing. If I had to suffer through lava though, to see Inside Out, I would, I would do that. Right. I would scourge myself in lava. <laughs> Go through the scourge trial. <laughs> if it meant that I could see Inside Out. All right. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I like the good dinosaur better than Inside Out. Oh, oh Carson, Jesus. get the hell off the bo- <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging up on you right now. I couldn't stand the good dinosaur. Oh, Carson just likes digging in the ground with his face. It was so much better. <laughs> it didn't have a whiny little bratty girl in it. Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> Carson just means the the guy sitting next to him in the theater, which is me. <laughs> no, I I, anyway. I knew it would show up. Like I said, I envy you for liking this movie. I don't know. I just I couldn't get on board with it. It was too. I don't. It was just too annoying. Yeah, I mean, I I loved it. We reviewed it on the podcast. Um, it didn't quite make the cut for me. Like, I think it heartwarmed me maybe more than it actually made me feel strongly like i could feel pixar pulling the ropes but i I feel like it is one of the best pixar movies in a very long time um just like a totally charming movie way better than the good dinosaur and yeah there's not much else to say i i really liked it too and and in case people are wondering fear is what drives (laughs) me on the inside (laughs) so just just in case you guys are wondering Car- Carson's clearly Carson's clearly owned by anger. <laughs> uh, I was during that movie. <laughs> also had broccoli pizza in San Francisco. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Oh it's not no. Bad. Even, even though they cheated, it was a broccolini. Uh, what's the difference, though? I think it's Italian. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's why it goes with pizza. Some hybrid... Some hybrid yeah. shit. Anyways, um, so you guys all had Inside Out as your number one. I can just write that in. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Totes. Oh, one, one and two. I forget what number we were on. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, anyways, you, you know, Steven said he didn't want to cheat and put a, a TV show at number two, but I put Mr. Robot at number two. No, I'm kidding. Are you serious? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That is, it's not, I, I literally today, I, I told Steven I can't believe Mr. Robot won a f***ing award. That show is not good. I, I, I like Mr. Robot. Did you really put it as your number two? No, I that was a joke because Steven okay. said that he was contemplating putting Show Me a Hero as number two, even though, you know, it's not a movie. That was a miniseries, be, I think, yeah, is you know, a little better. Yeah. I was going to be well, very, since, very, very angry. Since Chris, Chris would have put Comet on his Yeah, well, I was just going to say, he didn't like Mr. Robot, but I wonder if he would like Comet. See, I was the opposite. I didn't like Comet, but I like Mr. Robot, so I don't know. Maybe it's just... I, I thought for sure, Stephen, when you were talking about a film that like came out another year, but then it hit VOD in 2014 or 15, I thought there was a chance that it was Comet, and then I looked up the release date, and I was like, yeah, oh, not no. even close. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, number my number two is one that uh, like Chris with Inside Out, uh, everyone can just sit back and roll their eyes. Um, uh, one was uh, Crimson Peak. I just thought was a really just beautiful looking movie and a really fun throwback to gothic horror. And like I mentioned in the hateful eight, uh, it was the most Guillermo del Toro movie that he's ever del Toro'd. So, um, <laughs> it's just, I just love that movie a lot. So, um, but it, it, it goes hand in hand with another movie that I really just loved. And, uh, again, no one else did, but uh, it was uh, Ryan Gosling's film, Lost River, um, which, again, is a movie that I expect, uh, I don't know what, I don't know. I, I would expect you guys not to like it, but I don't know. Probably not, because there is no plot, but uh, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of, like, imagery and sound, and uh, it definitely doesn't feel like... Something that, you know, you would expect from someone doing, a, you know, their directorial debut. Uh, it, it has a very sort of del Toro flavor because it is a, a fairy tale at the Why center of it. Why does it look like it stole the cover from Only God Forgives? It, it has a very, yeah, it has a very uh, refin vibe for sure. Um, there's a lot of neon and uh, the it's a the techno score, all electronic score all the way. And uh, Christina Hendricks is the lead, um, but uh, there's a—I don't know how much how it's to describe it other than it's just a very dark fairy tale. And he shot it like all in Detroit, and it looks like a—it looks like post-apocalypse. Like I like some of the places where he went is just really insane, um, and uh, it's all very—I don't know—it's a very striking movie. That's for sure. Um, and I know Guillermo del Toro championed it, so it's kind of why I put them together. But, uh, uh, yeah, I I really like Lost River, and uh, I know a lot of people didn't. But, uh, hey, man, it spoke to me. So it was my inside out. Got to my inner 14-year-old child because Saoirse Ronan was also, you know, one of the main characters in it, and she's, you know... Amazing. I don't, you know, yeah, she's always, she's always good. She's a homegirl. So anyway, Chris, did you see Crimson Peak? I did see Crimson Peak. I am mixed on it. I, there's aspects to it. I enjoyed, um, 
there's some weird attempted payoff for stuff in the story that negates the purpose of other things. Like, I think it's a little... The narrative is a bit messy. I love the atmosphere of it. Like, it's... Yeah. A lot of good stuff in it. I couldn't say that I was particular... Like, I'm not going to revisit it ever. I mean, I think think that was kind of the general consensus, is that looks great, the plot's kind of, you know... Blah. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I just, just let it wash over me, man. I, I mean, I saw it twice. I, I thought it was better the second time. I don't know. Yeah, th- this was a shameful year for me where a lot of these movies that in any other year I would have caught for sure, I just didn't feel like I had the time to catch it. Um, but I am interested. I, I heard it is like Del Toro going full Del Toro, <laughs> kind of like Tarantino and Inuritu both went full their own style this year um, and and we, yeah I, I did have you committed to seeing it we were going to review it right but yeah. something happened no i, I almost even saw it one night and then we kind of bailed from reviewing it so i watched something else yeah uh, I, I don't quite remember but speaking of watching a movie twice i did want to add inside out is the only movie that came out this year that i watched twice so mm, nice that you know even if it didn't quite make my list it definitely was one that i knew without a doubt, anyone I took would come and like it with me. Um, my number two is a movie I can't believe I didn't see twice. And I'm sort of petrified that if I catch it on VOD a year from now, I'm going to think, what the hell was I thinking? Putting it this high. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. Furious Star 7. Star Wars, the face over no, the No, and I, I hope not. And I, I truly believe I won't because this is a movie that was perfectly made for me made for the the opposite part of me from the overnighters and that movie is ex machina um which i know carson was a little underwhelmed by i was blown away by how well this movie mixed the high and the low it told a great story it had these really compelling visuals it just had a great soundtrack a great atmosphere all to itself it really sucks you into this very scant little play of only a few people and i think it was just a mesmerizing movie um the things it talks about are the things i usually hate a movie when they try to talk about it talks about ai the turing test things that normally get a heavy-handed treatment or get this kind of weird profundity thrown at them that just as a person who's kind of worked in the field it always annoys me when people do that um this movie knew exactly when to back off, when to abstract, when to aim for the big picture. And yeah, I I completely loved this movie. Oscar Isaac was amazing. Alicia Vikander was amazing. Donald Gleason was just fine, but still really Whoa. good. Um, I mean, his character doesn't get a chance to do all that much in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think this fits with most of the other movies I picked too, where it really is about like, bending your perception of who is the good person and who is the bad person and how easily can they turn into each other. Um, Yeah, I'm guessing we're going to hear about this movie again really soon. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I I love this movie. That's Ex Machina. (laughs) Just just writing it down. I need to make sure I had had this down here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, did you want to speak first, Carson? I mean that you know when we reviewed it, I'm I'm still the same. Like I I liked it, but I just wasn't as uh, hot on it as everybody. I still think Beyond the Black Rainbow 
is uh, <laughs> the better of the two. So, sorry, I had to go, you know, beyond the black rainbow, whatever. I, I still like that movie. But, I mean, come on, the, the cast was great. And uh, the effects on, the robot effects on Alicia Vikander was really good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to like in Ex Machina, but I just, for me, I was, like Steven said, I was slightly underwhelmed, especially since everyone was hyping it up so much. That was, so that was your number two, right? Ex Machina? Yeah. Um, so, to, to respond to my thoughts on Ex Machina, uh, we were, Steven and I were sitting in a movie theater and we were talking about making our lists and Steven was like, ah, oh, apparently I had still got a bunch of work to do to make my list. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how my list is going to go. I basically have my top two picked and then everything else I will figure out this weekend. And Steven looked at me and he's like, he's like, I, I, I know what your top movie is. <laughs> oh, yeah. really, he's all, he's all, I really something I'm, I'm paraphrasing ish, but uh, he said, he said, I just have to decide whether you're an ex machina man or you're a Mad Max Fury road man. And with that, my number two film is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Spoilers for number one. <laughs> uh, you don't know. Furious 7 hasn't been uh, named. That's true. We still have Furious mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation I'm holding hasn't been out. named. I'm holding out for Furious uh, 7. Kingsman colon the Secret Service has not been named I, yet. You... True Story hasn't been named yet. <laughs> yeah, true Story. I, I like how Chris did the colon on purpose. In yes. Kingsman. Yeah, because princesses like gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, I I don't think there's anybody who doesn't like this movie. <laughs> no, I I'm think just... you're a crazy person if you don't. <laughs> Mad Max. So so I, I joked earlier about uh, me having to justify my, my non-like of The Revenant when we get to the time where I talk about Mad Max Fury Road. And Steven has made the argument that The Revenant is basically Mad Max Fury Road. Like, they both exist. The, the things that make them good or bad are identical between the two, and they're basically very similar. Um, I'm doing a terrible job of paraphrasing his argument. I, I would say his criticism of one applies equally well to the other. Yeah, that's probably a better, more accurate way of your own opinion on the matter. Um, and I have to speak very slowly and purposefully to try to justify the difference of why I don't believe that. But I think that without getting in too long a review about The Re- Revenant, like Ma- Mad Max Fury Road is like a pure, uh, it- it's a film that is pure um, insanity and it it ignores story yet builds the world perfectly. Like when I see a gang of people pull up alongside of the vehicle and use special weapons that were created for the sole purpose of disabling the engine of another vehicle and watch them do aerial acrobatics in an attack method that's not like somebody's writing this. It feels like they've done this a million times. And I'm watching what feels like a 100% realized movie as if cameras were just placed on cars of people who are actually trying to kill each other. That is what Mad Max Fury Road is. The Revenant is a film where a filmmaker who's kind of up his own ass does incredible things that you shouldn't be able to do because you can't, and it's clearly like stitched together shots in 
trying to make these long takes and all this stuff where it's like, I don't want to see a guy just suffering for a long time. I like that is just oldie time, cold place where a person suffers. It's not a fully realized world that has been imagined to such a way that like, like I think the lack of a story in Mad Max Fury Road is a strength. I think the lack of a story in The Revenant is just a weakness. Um, I don't know if I did a good job of why that's different, but that's how I feel. Uh, I can see that, but uh, I, I still think the lack of story in The Revenant is totally fine, but obviously Fury Road is a much better movie, and uh, I like how Tom Hardy went from hot and cold uh, <laughs> this year. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there isn't much to say uh, else about Mad Max. I mean... At least yet. <laughs> it is what it is, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I am um, so... Spoiler, this will not be my number one movie of the year. No. Um, and That's that cool. isn't to say I didn't like it. I'm not a detractor. I thought it was an awesome movie. It was extremely well done. I think if George Miller wins for directing or for, you know, the movie wins for uh, set design or for any number of visual aesthetic choices, I think it's going to be well-deserved and very, very cool. Um this was a movie for me that was a heavy contender. I I would have named it as an honorable mention for the like intense movie category, except I didn't want to spoil that it wasn't higher on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. The only thing I'm missing is a problem with me, kind of like kind of like how Carson says he wishes he could watch those kind of sappy two people having a conversation movies and get something from it. I wish <laughs> I could watch. Movies. I wish I could watch the most awesome action movie and get more than an overwhelming time that I walk away from and don't think very much about after. Like, like, for what it is, this movie is fantastic. It's the best that it could be. I did not feel the overwhelming, life-changing masterpiece part of it so much as like a a great accomplishment for a director that perfectly realized his vision. And so props to him. I'm glad the movie is doing so well. It did not hit me quite in the way that it seems to hit everyone else. And and maybe that's why I couldn't enjoy The Revenant because I only have room for one film that does that because you could apply all those statements of how you didn't feel about or like what you were saying about being able to see that aspect of Mad Max, but not feel that great for it. <laughs> like literally you and I just flipped roles for those two films. Yeah. And I, I don't want to derail too much, but I do. I feel like people are trying to add on other things to the movie. Like it's a feminist movie or it has the best characters <laughs> ever. And like, just stop. It, it's embarrassing. <laughs> the characters are not, it's very cool, very sparse you don't need to pretend that these characters are the most amazingly complex characters in the world. Like any, anyway, no, I mean, that's more about like the mashable not. culture yeah. than anything else. I mean, they should just let it be too, you know, instead of yeah. calling attention to it anyway. So, uh, number one, uh, first of all, I'll say that, uh, this next movie is definitely going to be, uh, super pretentious sounding 
Um, Wait, do you actually have a single movie for your number one? Uh, I yeah, I, I put two movies on here, but um, <laughs> I do have a, a lone movie that I knew from the second it started that it would be my number one movie. Um, but uh, there was another movie I saw just a couple weeks ago on VOD, um, and it was kind of like a Victoria situation with Chris, although not as bad. Because that was bad, um, where I I rented it off iTunes and then realized it was on Netflix. I was like, F-. so I can only imagine getting locked in a parking garage. That's like that's like that times like a billion. <laughs> your your six ninety nine that you spent to rent the movie is yeah. exactly the same as my ninety hundred dollars. No, but you see, I was just like, what? But anyway, it was so good, it didn't even matter. Um, so anyway, this is. Uh, I guess this is like the uh, the White Tiger of this year, where it was uh, another crazy-ass Russian epic, um, and it's called Hard to Be a God. Definitely a bit the best title of 2015, probably, uh, next to Bone Tomahawk. Um, so, Hard to Be a God was a movie that this guy... Also the alternate title for Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, this... Russian filmmaker had this is like his passion project that he'd been wanting to make since like the 70s and he finally made it and he started filming in like 2000 and it took him like a decade to film it because like they would shoot like a little bit each year and it's just ridiculous how the the how this movie even came to be um and he finally he actually died right before they finished it in 2013 and it was released in Russia in 14, and then it finally came to the U.S. this year. Um, and I kind of saw it. I saw it on um, the AV Club had it. Ignati had it on his uh, – he put it on their top 20. Um, and I was like – the when he described it, I was like, I got to watch this movie. Because it's like a, – it's a three-hour black-and-white sci-fi epic uh, about a – team of scientists who travel to a planet that's stuck in the middle ages and uh one of them becomes like the god there the savior and uh it's unlike anything i've ever seen in my life like i like just just describing it probably now it, i just sound like a tool but uh, uh <laughs> no, I, I think it actually sounds kind of cool I, I yeah but <laughs> if i showed you like a five minute clip you'd be like what the fuck is this <laughs> i mean it, no it like but it is because it's like it's I mean, I've seen a lot of movies, but this is unlike, legitimately unlike anything I've ever seen. And like to just like to describe it, I I don't know how they made this movie. Like it made it it made the Revenant look like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like it made it look like some just disposable like uh, you know assembly line type of movie. Um, because it had that same kind of feeling where like people are just in the muck and it's brutal and it's gross. And I don't even know what was going on half the time, and it's three hours long, but it went by so quickly because I was just so fascinated by what was happening on screen. And there's just all this, like, so there's just be scenes where people are, like, talking, and they're just, like, super close up, and it's, like, everything's in the foreground, and there's people just walking by, and, like, a guy, like, just throws a chicken into the frame, and, like, it's just, like, all this chaos <laughs> for three f***ing hours, and you're, like, how the f- did this get made like how did this happen like i i don't like this guy put his life and soul into this movie and you can see like 
it should be like the most boring like Mr. Turnery movie ever, but it's not because this guy just like could not I mean he ended his life making this movie. It's crazy. So Hard to Be a God is uh it's it's definitely next level. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Um and I that's why I had to put it as like the subset in the number one slot because there's nothing else like it. So um but like I said, the number one movie of 2015, uh, I was trying to downplay it, but it's f***ing Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could have guessed that. Where was Mad Max on this list? Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I just knew from the second this movie op- or started that uh, it was going to be... I mean, it's, it's, it's the movie. Like, I... I completely disagree <laughs> with Steven. I think it is a masterpiece. I think it will stand up against the greatest action films of all time. And I think it makes the other three Mad Max movies, which are good, except for Thunderdome, um, it just blows them out of the water. Like, it took all of the... It took everything you loved about The Road Warrior and just distilled it into one long two-hour chase movie. Uh, and it's... Again, it's another movie that's ambitious as hell, and I don't know how it got made. Like, I don't know why Warner Brothers thought, like, yeah, people would be down to see Mad Max again, but I'm glad they did, because I didn't know I wanted to see another Mad Max, but I know the second I saw that trailer, I said, yes, please, that's what I've been waiting for. Um, And, of course, Tom Hardy is great, Charlize Theron is great, and there's so much memorable imagery in this movie i mean george miller created this genre like he that's why all the post-apocalyptic movies had everyone in leather chains and shit for 20 years after and now i feel like he just came back and showed everybody how to do it again uh where everything's uh, like really bright and colorful and there's all this crazy stuff happening and um it's like the polar opposite of most movies of that type because it's all like very usually dark and dour and you know gray and stuff and this is like very like in your face like orange and yellow and i mean it's it's a movie that should be championed for everything (laughs) that's in it like i mean uh obviously like all the the action scenes the practical action scenes and uh you know they use a lot of cg in it to combine uh, those crazy stunts, and it's all seamless. Like, I I don't know. I cried pretty hard during it, because it was just... It's a movie that, like, I don't even <laughs> want... It's just so magical. It's just... It's just... The, the second it opened, I was just like, I just... I don't even want to watch it again, because I don't want to ruin the the first experience that I had watching I, it, because it I was ha- too good. I haven't technically watched it again, but as soon as it was available on iTunes, I snagged it up and I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to put it on in the middle. And like, it was like super late at night. I'm like, that's right. It came out. So I snagged it and I put on just like scrub to like somewhere in the middle. I was like, I'm just going to watch like, you know, like five minutes of it. Like pretty soon it was like 45 minutes later. (laughs) And I like looked at the clock. I'm like, oh shit. It's like almost two (laughs) o'clock. Like I need to go to sleep. I mean, I'll, I'll, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I'll probably watch it again for sure. But I, I knew that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'm definitely gonna buy it too. But uh, I mean, they they showed it at the New Beverly again, and like I was gonna go, but then I was just like, I, 
I don't, there was something about, like, I didn't want to, like, you, you see a movie and it's so good. Like you want to just have that one experience be the memory of, for that movie, you know? And, um, I, that was Mad Max Fury Road for me. Um, it just blew every other movie away for the last, like, <laughs> like 10 years, probably even more. Like I just, it's the number one movie for like now and probably this year and next year. And I mean, there's nothing else like it. Like I, I, I feel like that it, it, it really showed people like, this is how it's done. So you should stop making shitty action movies. <laughs> and, and like, look, Carson kind of framed that all as I disagree with Steven. It is a masterpiece. It is a this and that. I'm not even disagreeing with that. I, I, I will not say it isn't a masterpiece. It is the most, one of the most complete visions I've seen this year. Oh yeah. It is the and, most masterpiece. <laughs> and it, it is great that it has had this response. I, I just feel like there must be some other people like me who watched that and were overwhelmed by the spectacle, like really blown away, but then just kind of felt like they were not feeling quite what everyone else was feeling. Um, yeah, no, it, it's great. I hope he keeps making them. It is definitely the best action movie I've seen this year. I don't think I even came close to putting another one on the list. So, I mean, I wasn't framing it all against you, but I just say that, you know, in that instance, I I do think that it is, it deserves to be praised that highly. But I'm sure there's someone out there. I mean, there always is, obviously. Like, I'm honestly surprised there isn't, like more backlash now because usually when something is so popular like people turn on it you know after it, after a while yeah, i'm surprised this is like the inception or dark knight or something of the year where just everyone is on board for it and yeah. like maybe i shouldn't have seen it at 10 a.m <laughs> in a movie theater <laughs> maybe i should have given myself a more overwhelming experience but I wish I wish I could feel the extent of the joy that everybody else got from this movie. It's okay. In two years, Stephen will be saying, uh, I hated Mad Max Fury Road before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, that's when the backlash will kick in. <laughs> I wasn't ripping out like all you other bros, okay? <laughs> and then the rest of us will spray paint our mouths with silver yeah. and then stab him with explosive spears. <laughs> and then jump, like, swan dive off of a f***ing, you know. We'll turn Steven into a blood bag while we watch <laughs> the next Mad Max movie. <laughs> All right, Steven. Oh, man. I wish Carson had ended on Hard to Be a God, because then I wouldn't feel so snobby <laughs> for what I'm about to do. Um, Is it hard to so be a god? No, no, oh, no. Okay. no. I heard pretty amazing things about that movie. Um, no, I am pulling what Christopher Schnazy pulled two years ago, where he and I both watched a movie very shortly before writing the review and let it become our number one movie of the year. <laughs> um, I feel really good about this one, actually. I don't know how Chris will feel, even though he watched it with me, but in a year of directors being their most distilled essence every quirk everything you could criticize about them everything you could love about them 
and in a year of movies that had just a completely distinct visual feel that no one else could do. Uh, to me, the one that wrapped that all up in a feeling and a story that I could get behind was Anomalisa <laughs> by Charlie Kaufman. Um, and I will be the first to grant that this movie has not sat with me as long as the other movies have. Um, I mean, Ex Machina was, what, March, April? So it it's pretty unfathomable that that movie has stuck with me this long. But Anomalisa, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, I love Charlie Kaufman's aesthetic. I love his ability to take funny, awkward situations and make them feel real and truthful. I think everything he does with this movie, the things he wants to say about the monotony of day-to-day -day life, uh, that feeling you get that certain people or certain things will save you, that certain people are new and exciting and special. And the way he kind of pays homage to that and makes you feel that, but then gets back to reality. I, I think this is one of the most ambitious movies of the year from a story perspective. And it also, it just goes some really crazy places. Um, I never would have thought the most realistic sex scene I've seen in years would come from a movie about puppets. Uh, <laughs> like how far from Team America world police can you go <laughs> with that? Um, yeah, there there isn't a whole lot to say. I wrote about it a little bit already. I'd like to write some more. Um, I just think this is a Steven movie in like the purest sense this is a movie that has humor it has originality it has heart it has something to say about daily life it has a new kind of visual vocabulary kind of in the way that inside out maybe gave kids a way of relating to their emotions i think this does a great job of that for mon monotonous aging people and um i think if you like charlie kaufman's other work especially if you like Synecdoche in New York, I think you're going to really like this one. And yeah, it, it blew me away. I left the movie off of any list specifically because I knew Steven would probably pick this somewhere <laughs> on his top 10. And I, I totally forgot until you said it, but I was like, uh, of course. I mean, I didn't know if you had seen it or not, but I mean, Anomalisa is a valid number one choice because it is a movie that like I said the hateful eight I I said in the beginning I said the hateful eight and there's another movie that defies a list and that's Anomalisa because I think Charlie Kaufman is unlike any other person and um I think that it's not a movie that I'd want to rush out to revisit because it's very depressing and I think that Charlie Kaufman has a lot of issues that he's working out, but I'm glad that he is because he has a, a mind unlike anybody else. And, um, his vision for this movie is really just, I mean, he took the most basic, like non-interesting story and made something extremely, extremely unique and interesting about it. Um, I think that I like Synecdoche, New York, uh, more, only because there was a lot of just, like, he blended, like, the depressingness of this movie and, like, a lot of, like, wacky, just wacky shit in there. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, lo I loved how um, 
Tom Noonan voiced all the other people um, and how everyone is just bland and boring in his, you know, the main character's eyes. Um, I talk about Jennifer Jason Lee. She got this and Hateful Eight, so. Yeah, one of the best years ever, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, whatever, I divorced Noah Baumbach, but I got a Tarantino movie and a Charlie Kaufman movie, so <laughs> fuck all y'all. <laughs> she won out. And, uh, like, I think you, you know, when you think back on it, the movie is, it isn't uplifting necessarily. It depends on how you feel about the definition of uplifting. Um Charlie Kaufman is definitely one of those people who he knows it. I think it would complement the end of the tour extremely well because this is kind of a movie about that feeling you have when you just want to hold on to something new and like maybe people think so highly of you and people think you should be satisfied with everything you have, but you are just seeking the most basic like fundamental human thing, which is I want I want to hear another person. Like I want to see something that I don't just see all the time. I want to feel something again. And I think even if the arc of the movie doesn't let it pay off into a fantasy, the way that maybe eternal sunshine did, it also doesn't go the way of Synecdoche, New York, where it just like ends on a completely depressing sermon. And I love Synecdoche, New York. Don't get me wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think this had enough of the lighthearted moments to say that um, even though maybe there aren't things that make people special, like maybe there isn't the silver bullet, the little details in life, like the particular way your monotony or your loneliness looks and feels can be funny and invigorating and worth telling. And like that that's just like a perfect, existential movie for me yeah so i completely left this film out of contention at all for my list for nothing more than the fact that i'm still unpacking it it sort of falls into the uh the up in the air situation i don't know if people who are listening now heard our up in the air review back then but i remember reviewing that film and just being like i don't have words yet i'm still thinking about things about this this film and in a world where we got to see it early enough and had time to publish a review before we got to this standpoint. I may have been able to talk through all the things about the film, but uh, I will say it's a fantastic film uh, and people should go see it. But I was not even going to attempt to rank it against anything in the list that I had already created because I, it, w- it would have taken too much work. <laughs> so we, we did go out and watch it two days ago. It was yeah. pretty recently. So basically, I took the lazy way out, and uh, I said, I'm not, I'm not considering it. I almost texted you, Stephen, too, and been like, this is in contention, right? <laughs> but I, did, I didn't even want to hear a response from you. Um, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> so I think, Chris, we can predict what your number one was. Fury 7. Uh, it, my, my number one <laughs> film of the year. I, there was like four films I was jokingly going to name, and right now I'm drawing a blank. I can't, I can't figure <laughs> out any of them. Um, but no, um, in area fifty one, in the, in the in, yeah, area fifty one, <laughs> in the award for Chris will choose his favorite movie based on a boy falling in love with an AI <laughs> 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 awards. 
Um, no, but in all seriousness, Ex Machina is my favorite film of the year. Uh, when we, uh, this weekend, when I wasn't watching Namalisa, I rewatched Ex Machina just to make sure that, like, like Steven said that he had feared that he would watch it like a year later and then wouldn't be as enthralled with it as he was back then. Um, I liked it every bit as much, um, when I watched it, uh, maybe it was yesterday. I might've watched it yesterday. Anyways, I, I, I watched it again just to refresh myself on it, just to make sure that it was the work of art that I uh, originally thought. And I, clearly I left it at number one. So it's still, <laughs> it's still, um, I, I really, really, really love this movie. It's, I think of all the films I saw this year, um, not counting it against Anomalisa, it's doing the most to think about um, things. Like it, it is bringing up ideas and concepts um, that other films weren't even really trying to do. Um, this was my first experience watching Alicia Vikander, who is a freaking amazing star. Um, I, and everybody in the film is great, but that was my first experience seeing her. Um, I just, everything about this film, I just really, really enjoyed. And it, it's, it, it is a very Chris film, I think. Um, and I, I was a little bit less bothered by like the, like brief moments as that characters try to talk uh science mumbo jumbo and the second time watching it too i think those scenes are even less stupid sounding because it's clear that the characters are not saying it to communicate information they're like like donald gleason when he's responding to the questions about like you know what the turing test is right you can see him working out where that conversation is headed and it's less a, like, can you please explain something for the people who don't know what the Turing test is? And it's more like, you know where I'm going with this. And it's like a handing off of where the conversation is going. Um, there's a visual thing that the director did right at the end of the film that I think is kind of a plot hole. Um, but I think I, I can't just on, on, on repeat viewing, which I'll tell you guys off air because I don't want to spoil anything from that film. But there was one thing where I was like, the fuck? Um, but, uh, but in general, perfect, perfect film minus that one little thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was my number two. It was my number one until two days ago. <laughs> so, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. No, Damn you, a novelista. Oh, Charlie Kaufman. No, nothing left to say for me. It's a great pick. Oh, poop. Okay. Pretend like I just said my number one thing. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road and Hard to Be a God I called it Hardy to be a God <laughs> Thank you <laughs> I was very proud of myself for that one Took me all of two seconds <laughs> And I was gonna and like I completely forgot to say it But I thought about this weeks ago Weeks ago and I was like oh, This is gonna fucking kill What about yeah. that movie Max With the subtitle <laughs> Hard to be a dog <laughs> Hard to be a dog. Nice. God, that movie looks fucking terrible too. Max, like I saw that, Max. It was it was it was fucking terrible. When I when I first saw the trailer for that movie, I don't remember what I saw what movie I saw it before, but the trailer made me want to walk out of the theater. I was so mad. I was angry that that was made into a movie. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely anger inducing. I'm glad that dog almost got blown up. <laughs> Anyway, I say the wrong. I say the wrong beast stepped on the landmine. Whoa! Well, we now know what Chris's number one worst is. 
worst of 2015. Dude, we do not have time for worse, man. No, We're at two I, hours I, and 30 minutes. Right, yeah. But I will say a good movie about dogs that came out last year was a movie called White God. Oh, um, I want to see that so bad. Dang, that movie was... See, I almost threw that in there just to... Just so Chris could, you know, have a reaction because it it seriously was like um, Rise of the Apes, but with real dogs. <laughs> they used real <laughs> dogs instead of you know fake apes. But I mean, it had like the same. How did how did the real dog shoot the AK forty seven? Well, I mean, you know, it had like a similar idea where like the the animals rise up because that's what it's all about the dog apocalypse. Um, but there's a lot of really good dog acting in it. Like I was surprised, like. Uh... <laughs> I'm no joke like the one main dog in it i was like holy shit like they could have put subtitles on him and it would have been like completely acceptable but uh so leo better watch out because that dog he put in he put in a good performance but white god white god was really good i i I was gonna put it with like hard to be a god like the goddamn this is so good something stupid um but uh I don't know. I couldn't fit it, but White White God is a movie to watch too. All right. So, <laughs> so should we should we uh, put this dog down before, <laughs> we should, we should before maybe, it gets any longer? We should euthanize it. Yeah. I'll I'll squeeze in my little things that didn't make the cup like last year that still got awards. Uh, the vintage Stephen Award for like a standard indie type movie that normally I would have loved that this year just didn't quite make the cut. Uh, the runner-up would have been me and Earl and the Dying Girl, though I think I loved that much more in theaters than I did any moment afterwards. Um, the winner was Room, and that's mostly for Brie Larson's performance. I just think she's so good. Um, yeah, that's the only good thing about that movie. Yeah. Uh, the Annie Hall Award, which is just for like a pleasant talkie flick that doesn't do much, but is very entertaining to watch. Uh, this should be renamed the Noah Baumbach World <laughs> Award because the runner-up was Mistress America and the winner was While We're Young. Uh, both just super entertaining, pleasant, fun, screwball-type movies that, of all the movies on this list, these I could rent with the most confidence that I would still have a great time the second time around. Um, and the Tree of Life Award for movies that I respected more than I liked this time I need to say respected even more than I liked because I quite liked both of these. Uh, the Hateful Eight is one of those. I had problems with it, but I really, I do enjoy that people like Tarantino exist and have that kind of vision. And the one that I liked very, very much, but apparently not as much as anyone else was Mad Max. So <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, I'm very glad that movies like this are made, even if I am not the target demo. Yeah, I, I'm actually really shocked that that no one put room that I thought for sure one of you guys would have room on it, on your list. It was it was on an index card that was floating near my pile and then I realized that like there were other things that I re- like I wouldn't it there's other things that I wanted to care about more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean Yeah, I think yeah. the performance was extremely strong. I don't think the movie came that close for me. No, especially since that was the guy who also did frank and i thought that i don't know i was just expecting room to be a lot more unique than it was oh so that should be my lenny abramson award because i gave to frank last year (laughs) yeah um yeah and basically for the record guys i used i used furious seven um kingsman the secret service and uh mission impossible 
Rogue Nation, whatever the newest one was, the three of those I just used to cancel each other out because as much as I wanted to name at least one of those somewhere, it was sort of like, why would I pick any of them over the other? <laughs> I just was like, F*** them, you guys all have to go away because you're all, you all fit in that like, oh my god, that was freaking awesome, I love that movie, in a silly way. Yeah, I had the same reaction to all those. They were basically all the same. Yeah. Super fun movies. I really wanted to put Aloha on there too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. For the the baffling award next to Predestination. Yeah, dude, Predestination is awesome, and people should watch it. <laughs> Steve Jobs too, guys. It's good. Yeah, I love Steve Jobs. I don't. Know, some people didn't like it, but I love Steve Jobs also, and the movie was all right too. Ah. Uh... Uh... Probably my most egregious blind spot. Not that I think it would have made a list, but like, I kind of can't believe I didn't watch that movie. Yeah, I'm surprised. I I don't know. I related to Seth Rogen a lot as Steve Wozniak in that movie because his you know entire job in the film was just like acknowledge the Apple II team, brother. And I feel like that's just me, you know, like acknowledge Roger <laughs> Deakins, please. <laughs> But how could you when Josh Gad gave the definitive last <laughs> Yeah, actually, the more, more accurate version would be you saying acknowledge film. And I'm like, yeah. no, digital is the future. That's where everything's going. I will not acknowledge film. Acknowledge the, the dogs, guys, not the apes, okay? Not the fake apes. Nothing about the Revenant would be possible with film. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I really like Steve Jobs. Do you know why I killed the Newton? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's why I said, uh, Fassi was, uh, he was, uh, three for three this year, in my opinion. All right, well, should we hit, head out, guys? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me on this super long extravaganza. We may have actually finished our longest episode. I, uh, I don't, I don't know what the longest runtime is. Well, we're almost, we're longer than The Revenant right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! I think we've actually we're about to pass uh, the roadshow version of the Hateful Eight. <laughs> well, I think we still got about uh, twenty minutes or thirty minutes for that. We well, didn't take the intermission. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna put oh, a twelve right, minute right. overture at the beginning. Oh yeah, of course, of course, and a twelve minute intermission. Hey everybody, this is Christopher. Um, that was a long episode, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was so long, in fact, that we didn't exactly close out the episode the way that we normally do, so I am here to finish that episode out for us. So we own the exclusive rights to Carson Patrick, so you can't find him on the internet if you're trying to find him. But if you want to find Stephen Miller, you can find him at sdavidmiller.com or twitter.com slash sdavidmiller. If you want to find me, you can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Um... Yeah, we will be back soon with a review of 13 Hours, so see you then. Bye.